And we are on air for Banker Racing Radio tonight. And this is uh, Monday, July the 25th. Uh, we've been on a two-week break, and I have to admit uh, I'm the reason why I uh, was tested for COVID on uh, July the 11th and tested positive. And I didn't test negative until uh, last Friday. So <clears throat> we appreciate everyone being patient and understanding why we weren't here for the past two weeks. Uh, but uh, really excited to be back on air here tonight. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Sal Sagawa. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Okay. We're going to start off tonight with some short track news, and uh, we're going to follow that up with our review of the Arkham Menard series at Pocono Raceway in the first half hour. We'll include some Arkham East and West updates as well. In the next half hour, we're going to start with some post-race audio from Chandler Smith. He's the NASCAR Truck Series winner at Pocono Raceway and driver of the number 18 from Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, afterward, we're going to review the Truck Series race at Pocono. And then at 9.30, we'll review the Xfinity and the Cup Series races at Pocono Raceway. 10 o'clock, of course, is our Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with our Banfield Racing crew. That starts at 10 p.m. So uh, with that, Sal, uh, let's go to the short track news. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the SRX races by any chance this season? No, you know, I've I've missed all of them. <laughs> and it's funny because I recorded oh. all of them. And then I end up deleting them because then, you know, the, that week, that week it ended. Mm-hmm. So there's no use in going, there's no use. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, for the previous weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, yeah, so I end up, I end up deleting the. Okay, the thing, well, I, I, to... I, I know I. I know because this week was a championship week too, so I should have. Right. I should have watched it. Well, the season finale was Saturday night out at Sharon Speedway uh, with the championship on the line. Marco Andretti was able to battle back from an early race incident to secure that 2022 SRX Series Championship, (sighs) but it was Chase Elliott who held off a late charging Tony Stewart for the race win. Matt Kenseth finished third, followed by Ryan hunter Ray and Bobby Labonte to round out the top five finishers. Now, Elliott is two for two in SRX competition. Uh, he adds a win at Sharon Speedway to his, his 2021 win out at Nashville Fairgrounds. Ryan Newman finished second in the point standing. He was two points behind Marco Andretti. And Bobby Labonte took third, followed by Stewart in fourth. The top four in points were separated by only seven points at the end of the season. So it was pretty tight. Uh, Only six races in the SRX, the Camping World uh, SRX series. And uh, it was was a lot of fun to watch. Oh, I bet it was. Like I said, I I missed all of them. I mean, I should have at least watched one of them, but it just... I don't know. It's just it was like it was like watching the old um, um, I Rock series, you know. Just mm. And then and then it's, especially after Tony Stewart played that, you know, try to play Pop Stewart, you know, to uh, gosh, I can't remember which driver it was that that one race, 
you know, they kind of raised each other hard. And, um, hmm. you know, Tony wanted to play Papa Stewart, and that's when I thought, nah, I thought I'm, I'm not going to watch it. Oh, okay. Well, um, it was kind of cool. To, last year it was uh, Tony Stewart that took the championship. So I kind of enjoyed the fact that it was somebody besides Tony Stewart that took the championship this year. And I also enjoyed that it was so close. Uh, I love seeing all of the um, uh, NASCAR drivers that were involved uh, and at Sharon Speedway. Uh, the big news was uh, Ryan Blaney racing with his dad, Dave Blaney, on dirt out at Sharon Speedway. And unfortunately, he uh, Ryan was uh, out of the race pretty early, so we didn't get to see the matchup between father and son there. But uh, I'll tell you what, Chase Elliott raced Dave Blaney pretty hard. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he did. I mean, Chase doesn't. Chase goes out there any race he races, you know, he, you know, whether it's an exhibition, ex- exhibition series or however, whatever you want to call it, he always goes out and gives it his all. Okay. Well, uh, and again, seeing Matt Kenseth and Ryan Newman uh, out there racing along with, uh, you know, somebody like Bobby Labonte, I-, I just really enjoy watching it. Okay. Um any other short track racing news that you wanted to make sure we highlighted tonight? Yeah, they, we had the summer showdown this year, this past weekend at um at a uh, um, over here at Evergreen Speedway. And how did so, that um, go? It, it went actually it was pretty good. They had the pro late on Friday. Then if the winner of the pro late would have would have won the super late on Saturday. There's like an extra thirty thousand dollar bonus. There's all kinds of bonus money they're putting up. It's funny because Derek finished second in both in both races and ended up with twenty eight thousand dollars because of bonus wow. money. But yet the but yet the winner of the of the super late model race on Saturday only pocketed twenty five thousand. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. Well, they had, a, they had a, for the, whoever was the, um, whoever was fast time, the, basically the pole winner for the, for the summer showdown on the Saturday, if they, if they chose to go to the back, if they chose to go to the back of the pack and finish in the top three, then they're, they're top three, they're guaranteed, um, they're guaranteed, um, uh, I think it was like 10,000. So, so Derek had the pole, so he went to the back. And if he had won, hmm. he would have he pocketed I don't know, it was, I mean, they, basically between the top three drivers, they pocketed $60,000, which isn't bad for a short track rate. Yeah, it was really good. Oh, heck, it was, you know, and um, Derek finished second. He finished second behind um, Tyler Tanner on Friday night, and then Saturday night he finished second behind um, Preston Peltier. Well, that sounds pretty good. I'm, I'm, uh, Pretty excited to hear that that race went pretty well for Derek. Um, now the Slinger uh, Slinger Nationals uh, happened here just recently, but Slinger Speedway was still in action. Jeff Holtz uh, tops the Pro Late Model Field at Slinger this past weekend, so that was cool to see. Yeah, they 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 do a lot of racing out there at Slinger, and um, and I know you know you you start reading more and more about it. 
you know, it's, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, good racing that comes out of out of Slinger. Yes, there is. Also, Jake Johnson scored his first modified win at uh, uh, in the modifieds at SB at the SBM 125. Uh, the, he's a former uh, Snowflake 100 champion and now just one of just five winners in history of SBM. So uh, pretty cool to see that for Jake. Yeah. I'm trying to see where you're. Are you on Racing America or are you on Flow? I'm on Racing America. Okay. That's why I was on Flow. Also, uh, William Sawalich uh, swept the Pensacola late model weekend. So uh, it was a big weekend for him winning both of those races. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's a lot of good – there's a lot of good racing that's coming out of – out of, you know, back East Florida and stuff like that. And, and there really is. There really is. It's, it's amazing. It, it is amazing. And uh, uh, I'm really happy that Racing America and uh, Flow Racing does such a great job of covering a lot of these races. Uh, so it's pretty pretty good to see that. Also, Jared Fryer earned a Hampton Heat victory at Langley Speedway. Uh, I've got relatives out in that area. They like to head out to the racetrack. Uh, so hopefully they saw that race. Yeah, you know, you get you get a lot of uh, you got a lot of family out there, it seems like. But, I mean, that's neat. You know, if they're race fans, you know, they get a chance to, you know, a chance to see it. And especially Langley. Langley is, gosh, there's so much history at Langley. It's not even fun. There really is. There really is. Okay, I'm going to head over to Flow Racing now because uh, some of this is going to be kind of uh, 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 it's, uh, some of it is repeated over at uh, Flow Racing. But I wanted to uh, mention that Jonathan Davenport became the, become the first three-time Silver Dollar Nationals winner uh, out of Greenwood, Nebraska, so uh, the I-80 Speedway, and I believe that was the last race at I-80 Speedway. So uh, that was a pretty big event for him to uh, become a first three-time winner there. Yeah, they had a, they had a really good uh, style field out there, too. Um, Tim McCready was out there. Um, you know, you had uh, uh, Earl Peter. Earl Pearson Jr., Brandon Shepard, you know, you had a lot of big names out there, you know, for the, you know, for that, for that, um, for that race. Yes, it really was a big one. Uh, Also, uh, their Mother Nature uh, kind of interfered with Indiana Sprint Week round two out at Lawrenceburg. So that's going to resume tomorrow night. So uh, you can watch for that racing to pick up tomorrow night. Yeah, they 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 have a lot of good uh, a lot of good um, drivers out there too. Matter of fact, Logan Logan Seavey, who's raced in the Tampa Road Truck Series, is one of them that's going to be out there. So is Cole uh, Cole uh, uh, Bodine, and um, and then Jake Swanson, who's from out from this from my part of town, mm-hmm. is also going to be out there racing. So that's going to be that's going to be a really neat race to uh, 
a really neat race to see, but to see how um, um, Logan Seavey, how he can, um, you know, match up with, uh, you know, getting back on, on what he's familiar with, which is dirt. Yes. Okay. Uh, another big win, somebody who brought a broom to the track, uh, Tyler Courtney, uh, took the sweep out of uh, Lake of the Ozarks. So uh, for the second time in as many nights, uh, Tyler Courtney is the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions presented by Noble One. So uh, a big weekend for Tyler Courtney. He brought a broom with him. He was ready to go. I've I've seen <laughs> a couple guys bring a broom. Um, I've seen a guy in Victory Lane ask for a broom, and they brought him <laughs> one, and that was going back to probably three, four years ago, maybe four years ago. We were at um, Utah Motorsports Park, which is the old Miller Miller Motorsports Park in Salt Lake City, in Salt Lake. And Noah Gregson mm-hmm. was racing the Canon West Series at the time, and he swept. They had ran doubleheader races Saturday and Sunday, and Noah swept them both Saturday and Sunday. And Sunday, when he was up on Victory Lane, he was asking for a broom, and one of the one of the crew members found a broom. I don't know where, but they brought up some funky old <laughs> broom that looked like it it was ready for the trash. And, and Noel was yeah, walking around the stage sweeping with it. It was, it was pretty good. Well, it's always fun when you can win uh, two for two on a weekend. So uh, congratulations to all the race winners from this weekend. There's too many for us to cover all of them, but I think we hit on some of the highlights. Uh, Taylor Gray, though, in the Arkham Menard Series, uh, came up with another win this weekend, even though it was kind of an up-and-down day for him. <clears throat> yeah, I I was able to catch the replay. I thought I'd recorded it, and then I found out that I didn't. But then, um, luckily, uh, uh, Math TV went and uh, huh. replayed it. So it was kind of neat to see, um, you know, to see Taylor go back into, uh, you know, to get that get that win. Mhm. Yes, it was. Uh, uh, he kind of led, uh, you know, for a good part of the race. Um, he's 17 years old from Denver, North Carolina, uh, and he the race was actually called early because uh, it was starting to get dark at the track, and, of course, they don't have lights out at Pocono. Uh, he led more than half of the event, but he lost a lap during the first of two scheduled breaks after a slow pit stop. Uh, and he wasn't able to beat that pace car off of pit road. So he had to race his way back up to the front uh, and and uh, back onto the lead lap. But uh, there was a timely caution for a startled car for Parker Chase on lap 46 uh, that gave uh, Gray the chance to get back on that lead lap. Uh, and Gray's crew chief really was uh, the star of the day. Chad Johnson wisely called his driver to pit road to top off with fuel during that caution period while the leaders stayed out. So uh, Gray acknowledged Johnson uh, after the race uh, for that pit call uh, because that's really what uh, kind of gave him what he needed to win the race. Yeah, you know, it's it's because it's, it's of the length of that track that I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the teams, you know, they – they know they have fuel, then they think they have fuel, then they don't know if they have enough fuel. 
because mm-hmm. we see it through all three series when they race over there. You know, when, when it comes down to the last five, ten laps, everybody's always talking about, okay, do we have enough field to make it? You know, because how many times in the past have we seen drivers run out of fuel? Yep. You know, trying to get back to the check, come back to the checker flag. Exactly. So that was a good call by Chad Johnston. Uh, there was also a multi-car crash uh, that involved Al- Amber Balkin, Angie Jakowiak, uh Sean Kaur, Ed Pompa. That happened between turns two and three uh, that brought the caution out with 31 laps left. Um, there was a red flag for all the cleanup, uh, and uh, all the leaders that opted not to pit during the previous caution uh, made their pit stops for fuel at that time. Uh, but uh, because Gray had already made his pit stop, it allowed him to stay out there. Um, and again, it was ultimately the race was called after 64 laps, following a caution flag for a spin by Jesse Love. So uh, that's what ended the race. Uh, Nick Sanchez was, was in the second of Gray in the final laps, but the caution for Love's spin ended his hopes of scoring his third. Arkham Menard Series victory of the season. Uh, the regular season, uh, Xfinity regular season driver Brandon Jones crossed the finish line third, followed by Arkham Menard Series championship leader Raja Karuth in fourth, and Daniel Dye finished in fifth. Uh, the next five drivers were Connor Mosack, Jake Finch, Chris Wright, Jason Kitzmiller, and Tony Breidinger uh, completed the top ten finishers. So uh, it was a big night for those guys, and uh, certainly a, a big night for Taylor Gray. Oh yeah, especially with um, you know with, you know you know being able to be Brandon Jones, you know you know an extremely driver coming up, yep. you know who's always strong when he gets out there, you know then a, a really good finish, you know for Jake Finch, you know with the Phoenix Construction Toyota, you know his dad's the one that um his dad's the one that uh, sponsors the team. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everybody knows who James Finch is. James Finch had a stint, you know, the Cup Series, you know, with a few drivers. Um, mm-hmm. he was Phoenix, Phoenix Racing. I, I, Phoenix Racing, yeah. He had a, now he's now he's focusing on his son, and his son is racing a lot of stuff, you know, this year. But, you know, it's kind of neat because only 11 drivers finished on the lead lap, and the rest of them, you know, didn't finish on the lead lap. So, you know, to you know, get get all those laps in, but, you know, like you said, you know, the lights, you know, play play a big part, you know, in how they, schedule, how they have to schedule these races because, you know, you have one or two red flags and, and you know you're not going to finish the race. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And there was a long red flag for that multi-car crash. Now, the Arkham Menard Series season continues next Friday, July the 29th. Uh, they'll be running the Reese's 200 at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park in Clermont, Indiana, and the race will be broadcast live on Fox Sports 1 starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. So let's talk about the series point standings as they head into Indiana this coming weekend. Yeah. So series point standings is uh, Roger Carruth is still leading the points by three points over his teammate, Nick Sanchez. And in third is Daniel Dye, who's nine points back from him at 471 points. And then we have the big jump, the big gap, which is Tony uh, Breidinger, fourth, and she's 64 points behind uh, Roger Carruth. And then fifth is Greg Van Alst, 
Six is Amber Balkin, who was involved in that big wreck. Seventh is Brad Smith. Eight is Sammy Smith. Ninth is Taylor Gray, who has three wins on the season, but only six starts. So you kind of wonder if he had those other four starts where he would be in the points. Exactly. Um, and then, round, yeah, then rounding out the top ten is uh, Jesse Love. With um, <clears throat> Right. Sammy Smith, Taylor Gray, Jesse Love, those drivers all have only six of the ten races uh, under their belts. So, yeah, it would have been great to see, because Sammy Smith also has two wins uh, in just those six races. Taylor Gray, three wins out of the six races. So, yeah, it would have been cool to if they could have run the full t- season this year. Uh, it would be a lot tighter up at the top, I think. Oh, yeah, because when you look at Sammy Smith, he's, um, his average finish this season is 3.7. And mm-hmm. uh, and the points leader, Roger Carruth, is 6.3. Other than that, you have um, Nick Sanchez and Daniel Dye at 7.4, 7.3. So that 3.7 would um, definitely, um, and also Taylor Grace, 4.8, average finish. Yes. You know, you know that's that's a lot of points you know, that they've missed out on, you know, by not, you know, by being four races short. So, you know, yeah, that just kind of gives you a little bit of, of an idea. Age. It's because of their age. They're only racing the Sioux Chief Showdown races. Uh, but next year, I look for those guys to be racing full-time in the Arthur <sighs> Menard Series. Uh, and I bet we'll see him contending for some championships there. Oh yeah, you know, and even even when you go down, you look at at the best average finish by a driver, and that goes to Brandon Jones, who's only raced three races, but his average finish is a one point seven. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Which means he's had nothing less than a, a second place finish. Well, he's got the. He has the two wins, and then his other finish was probably uh, second place. Mm-hmm. Yep. From having that right. one point seven, that's how he got it. Yeah. So. So he's got two even wins though it doesn't look like place. it's very competitive, it's it's been a very competitive uh, competition. Uh, do they have the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, points up, Sal? Yeah. Let me go. Let me go back to. Uh, Suchi points is um, Sammy Smith leading the points, Taylor Mm -hmm. Gray in second, Jesse Love in third, Raja Carruth in fourth, Uh, Daniel Dye rounds out the top five. And then from there, then we go down to um, uh, Nick Sanchez in sixth, Tony Breidinger in seventh, Greg Van Aus in eighth, Amber Balkin in ninth, and Brad Smith uh, rounds up the top ten, and that's after five. That's after five races. Right, Mid Ohio was the last Sioux Chief Showdown race. There's five more, yeah. so they're at the midway point of their season, and they'll pick up again with the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, points at uh, uh, the race, uh, Indianapolis Raceway Park. Exactly, yeah. At RP, they'll be back, and it, it's we. You got a good battle between Sammy Smith and Taylor Gray. There's only eight points separating them. There's only nine points when you go down to Jesse Love to Sammy Smith, and then uh, when you get down to uh, down after that, the, you're talking about 17 points. Roger Carruth and fourth. 
So um, mm-hmm. Sammy Smith, Taylor Green, and Jesse Love all have a really good, uh, they got a really good points battle going on. It's pretty tight. And and actually just two points between, uh, let me see if I can figure out who this is, Roger Carruth and Daniel Guy. Uh, so Nick Sanchez, those guys are really tight in there too. Uh, and that's uh, from third to fifth. <clears throat> yeah, you know what, I see that. Yeah. That, that so, is a tight points battle. So we're midway through the Sioux Chief Showdown season. It picks up again next week at IRP, and uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, you know these guys are going to be back at the track and ready to uh, kind of put some distance there uh, for themselves if, if it's at all possible. We'll have to see what happens. Oh, yes. It, it, yeah. it, it is possible. <laughs> it's very possible. It's good. it's going to be a good finish all the way. It's going to get down to the wire and see who um, see who ends up victorious. Exactly. Now that's the Reese's 200 again, July 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. It will be televised on Fox Sports One. So uh, that's great news for all the race fans. Now the ARCA East and West, they're not going to be racing again until August. Uh, the ARCA West will be racing the Napa Auto Parts ARCA West 150 on August the 20th at 6.30 Pacific time. That's 9.30 Eastern time out at Evergreen Speedway. So, and it will be uh, live streaming on Flow Racing. Yes, I remember the last time I went to an ARCA West race over there at Evergreen. Um, they ran the first race they ran out the gate was uh, Arco, with Arkham and Arts. Well, back then it was a NASCAR K&N. But during mm-hmm. the super late race, which was the last race of the season, they established the Invitational Race, really big race. And there was a really bad wreck. Which one is, oh, that involved two of the super late models that caught fire. And it was really, it was a really bad wreck. But, um, yeah, I know the drivers are looking forward to going back to Evergreen. It's a 5.8, very, very fast track. Okay, and also the Specker 150 for the ARCA East will take place on August the 28th at 2 p.m. Central. That's 3 p.m. Eastern out of the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, that race will be televised on MAP-TV, Motorsports Network, so uh, fans will still be able to uh, watch that race as well. And with the um, – I, I think that still falls into the time frame that uh, – MAP-TV and Flow Racing are working together. I think MAP-TV is kind of merging in with Flow Racing, and uh, I think you'll be able to see it there as well. So uh, a couple of races uh, for the East and West coming up in August, but we've still got one big race here coming up uh, at uh, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park for the Arkham and Art Series and the Sioux Chief Showdown next week. Yeah, so it's going to be a good good weekend for racing next week. It definitely is. Also, there's a great uh, article up at uh, uh, ARCA Racing about uh, Mamba Smith preparing for the his ARCA Racing debut during the Reese's 200 out at Lucas Oil Inter, uh, Indianapolis Raceway Park. He's uh, been a part of uh, uh, sports management, I guess you'd say, as a PR rep. Uh, for drivers in the Arkham Menard series, but he's going to get behind the wheel 
uh, out at IRP this coming weekend. So that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it is. It's going to be, uh, you know what, actually, I got a chance to meet Mamba the last two years yeah. at the Snowball Derby. He was up there was and um, got a chance to talk to him for a little bit. He was he was actually racing. He, was he, he racing he, he did the first, Yes, he was racing the uh, Pro Lakes. And oh, okay. he'll probably be back out there again this year. He'll probably be back out there again this year, so it's going to, it's going to be exciting to see, you know, how, it you is, know, what he can do. And it's a very interesting really, transition and a unique journey, as they indicate in this article. Uh, I would really encourage everybody to, to read this one uh, because he definitely has a passion uh, for racing, and, and it's going to be cool to see him making that Arkham and Art Series debut. Uh, this weekend. Oh, and he's really a super nice guy too. I mean, he is. He is Very a really personal. super nice guy. I mean, oh yeah, I've got up and talked to him. You know, he'll stand there, he'll he'll uh, he'll chew it up with you and everything. And really, really <laughs> great guy. Yep, yep, a very good personality. Uh, so uh, I've worked with him, uh, you know, in securing some drivers uh, for the show as well. And uh, so that's why it's so, it's so much fun to see him now getting into racing himself. So, uh, uh, again, I really encourage everybody to get to know him. I'm going to reach out and see if we can get him for the show on Thursday. I'm not sure if he'll be available or not, but uh, we'll certainly give it a try. Yeah, that'll, he'll, be, he'll be a really good interview. He's, he's really uh, candid, really open. And um, and and I know I know the listeners will enjoy, you know, hearing you know hearing from him, you know, talking to him, yeah, listening to him. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, uh, it's uh, now at the nine o'clock uh, time frame, and uh, I do have here in the Camping World Truck Series. It was Chandler Smith who uh, won out at uh, Pocono Raceway this past Saturday, uh, and it actually was a season finale uh, because it, it was uh, time for us to crown the uh, regular season champion as well, and that was Zane Smith. So uh, even though Chandler Smith won the race, it was Zane Smith winning that regular season championship. But I do have some post-race audio here from uh, Chandler Smith, who won that race. He drives the number 18 for Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, and their Toyota. Uh, the, the entire interview is just 6 minutes uh, 56 uh, seconds, so uh, about 7 minutes long. So I thought we'd listen to the entire interview, and then you and I can comment afterwards. So. Okay, sounds good. Okay, here we go. Now we'll be joined by the winner of today's NASCAR Camp World Truck Series race here at Pocono Raceway, that's Chandler Smith. No question for Chandler, please raise your hand. We'll get you a mic. We'll start up here to come. Kyle Magda, Rowdy Mag, Light Race, immediately heightened Times News. Can you talk about the battle there with Priest? Uh, I know he got, got on you on the outside there, and then you got back around him. Yeah, um, I, I was dominating the race all day. It was in clean air. Never really got in dirty air all day. So I didn't really know what our truck was going to do when I got in dirty air. So when he did get by me, uh, we took a huge shift. Like, our truck was not that great. Um, but luckily, a restart came. Uh, all three KBM trucks lined up 
we were all in the inside lane. Corey gave me a really good push. The four gave him a really good push. And ultimately, that's what led to us getting the, the, the victory. Any more questions for Chandler? Go up here to Chris and then to Colt. Chris9catchments.com, watch Chandler. Um, just look your outlook on the playoffs. How do you feel? Um, is there a place that you're maybe potentially worried about going to? And um, how do you approach, you know, not having been able to be consistent as far as the schedule goes over the next couple months? Yeah, no, I'm honestly really happy with how the playoff schedule is. There's a lot of short tracks, and then there's Homestead and Kansas. And Kansas we were pretty solid at. I uh, had some issues, drove from the back like twice or whatever there. Um, but we had a really strong truck there. I've never been to Homestead, never seen the place. I'm also going to be racing the Xfinity car there as well. So it's going to be a long day for myself. It's going to be double duty. So with that being said, we're uh, going into the playoffs with a lot of momentum, obviously, and I think that's on our side for sure. Cool. Cool, Cusimano, Arizona Republic. Uh, congratulations, first off. Um, Chandler, is this the most confident you felt going into a playoff run after today? Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, considering last year was my first time ever really going for the playoffs, and we weren't great all last season until the playoffs. Uh, we barely made it in by a thread. And then when the playoffs started, we were really good. It was just kind of hit or miss if we had problems or if we didn't have good, it, like, it didn't go our way on pit road. Um, but we always had really fast trucks. So I, I guess because we've been really consistent all year, whether it been we had issues consistently, which isn't good, but we figured them out. And uh, we've been having really fast hundreds week in, week out. So, with that being said, I guess yes to answer your question. And then, what did you learn from last year that you can apply to this year in the playoffs? Um, how much the regular season matters as far as, like, today, that one stage win we got, the win we got, the five extra playoff points, the one with the stage win, and even now finish second in points, I think it's ten extra points or whatever that carries through. That's really big. So, um, I guess a little bit of that, just kind of being mindful of that and uh, making sure in the regular season we are on the days that we're not good, we needed to make sure we try to get some stage points, which we tried, which we didn't really. The 99 was really good at that this year, to say the least, and it's going to show when we get to IRP. Go over here. Let me finish, Chandler. Uh, four truck series wins now. You've done a couple of big city series races. I'm curious how you feel your stock um, as you kind of start to uh, look towards 2023. Yeah, I feel like I should have more than four wins, to be honest with you, too. It makes me happy hearing I got four, though. So, with that being said, yeah, I mean, it feels good. I, I feel like I've had a few wins stolen from me this year. felt like I had a few stolen from me last year. So, finally to start getting some wins, uh, being consistent all season, I think that's a step in the right direction for this whole camp. Davey? Davey Siegel with SiriusXM. Kyle was just in here, and he was uh, mentioning how he sees a little bit of himself in you on and off track when he was a younger driver gearing up for the playoffs now, what what are you going to do in terms of leaning on him for information? He has a lot of it to give. How do you kind yeah, of for sure. take out of him what you need? I mean, it's a resource, right? He's my boss. He's the driver. He's a competitor when he's racing these, but he's also a resource that I need to utilize. It's just like the sim a little bit. He's got so much experience, so many laps, and so much knowledge when it comes to just racing knowledge in different situations, right? So whenever I feel like there may be a situation where I haven't experienced that quite yet, I reach out to him and you know, ask him and lean on him. But if I've experienced that, I lean on what experience I have because at the end of the day, it's just like if you have two different driving styles, right? When I first got into truck racing, I struggled a lot when we went to mile and a half. 
couldn't figure out the air, couldn't figure out aero games, all that stuff. And I leaned a lot on Kyle. But at the end of the day, driving style matters, how you drive and all that affects those different situations. So I finally was just like, whatever, I want to go figure it out. I tore up a lot of trucks doing that. But now look, we're winning races. Got my first mile and a half win at Las Vegas this year. So obviously I figured something out. Bob, do you have a question? Up on Packers Fox Sports, you've had some success at IRP, so I'm curious, do you feel good going in there next week? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, a thousand percent. I've been there three times, I believe, and I've won twice. Um, so with that being said, I was really excited to see IRP get added to the truck schedule in general. Um, it sucks because that's going to be the first playoff race. My wife, we're about to have a child. She wasn't here today. She wasn't here at Mid-Ohio, so it really sucks not having her around. But um, we've got a lot of exciting times coming. And, um, but with that being said, yes, I'm really excited to go to IRP. Do I have a standby driver? No, because it looks like that. Well, I'm, I'm sure we have a plan, but it looks like I'm going to still be at. If, it, if I miss a race, it would be Richmond. Any final questions for Taylor? All right, well, congratulations. Oh, sorry, up here, uh, Scott. Scott Walsh from the uh, Scranton Times. Um, generally, you talked about how on that last restart you got the push to get out in front. There were a couple of times where Ryan was kind of challenging you there over those closing laps. Just how were you able to kind of kind of hold him off a little bit? Um, aero games, breaking the draft. Uh, for some reason today, and I had this issue a little bit last year here, um, just not – last year was a lot worse than it was this year, but we had a little sputtering and we lose fuel pressure down the front straightaway. So uh, on the last lap, actually, when he was able to close really close, getting into one, it sputtered pretty bad down the front stretch, and I was able for him to uh, get a pretty big run on me. Um, I just had to block really hard, but at the same time, we've had different situations here recently where we've had really good trucks, and it just hasn't worked out our way. Today we had a really good truck. It literally went textbook our way, and I believe that's just God's timing here. So. Any last ones for Chandler? Okay, I believe that's it. Uh, your thoughts about uh, the interview with uh, Chandler Smith? He, he seems to be carrying a lot of confidence going into the playoffs. Oh yeah, he is. I mean, you have to, you know, anytime you know you win a race, you know, especially you know in that series, you know, and um, you know, to prep, you know, and, and not only that, but you know, to, you know, you got a whole team behind you that's counting on you, and then you got a team owner you know, who doesn't like to lose, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot riding on his shoulders, you know, week in, week out when he gets behind that wheel. Um, you know, the wind, I'm you know, sure helped, you know, helped his confidence level. So I guess we'll see what happens when the playoffs start, you know, how he fares. Yeah, and it sounds like he's excited about the tracks uh, that are on the schedule. Uh, so I don't think that's good news for the competition. Um <clears throat> but Chandler Smith, uh, uh, I, I'm really impressed with his confidence. Uh, this is his second season. He mentioned that he was in the playoffs last year. Uh, that was his first experience. So one one thing that's really on his side going into the playoffs this year is that experience uh, that he can kind of rely on uh, coming into this season's playoffs. Yeah, because everybody knows how tough the playoffs are, how tough they get. You know, as you start advancing, you know, to the next one, the next one, you know, the intensity level rises. You know, the mistakes the drivers make that are in the series, that are in the playoffs, you know, they start making those little mistakes. 
that's all it takes is, you know, for you to be caught up in one of those mistakes and you know what, and your and your playoff hopes are all but gone. Exactly. So he, I think he, he's, he indicates he's got a pretty good understanding of that and uh, how much he needs to prepare. Uh, but uh, congratulations to him and his wife uh, on the birth, the the forthcoming birth of their first child. So uh, that was kind of cool to hear as well. I wonder, Richard, yeah, well, that is the race uh, that he might have to have somebody on standby. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once again, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, you know, come, you know, when it gets closer to race day, you know, which, what he does, you know, if he does it out, or if, you know, he does go, you know, he uh, tries to win one, you know, for the, you know, for the, for the newborn that's coming in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, let's go ahead and get into, let's see if I can pull up my stats here. Um, I want to get into the review of that truck series race out at Pocono Raceway. Uh, Let's see here. I'm kind of pulling up some stats here as, whoops, that's not something I wanted to hit. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and start with that. Uh, it was the 13th annual CRC Brackling 150. Uh, the winner was Chandler Smith, age 20, uh, driving the number 18 Charge Me Toyota. Uh, he drives for Kyle Busch Motorsports. His crew chief is Danny Stockman, Jr. Uh, it was his fourth victory in 54 truck series starts and his second victory in the 11th top 10 finish this year. It's also his first victory and first top 10 finish in two races at Pocono Raceway, the Tricky Triangle. Ryan Priest finished second, and that was an exciting finish uh, between those two. He posted his second top 10 finish in two races at Pocono, and it's his sixth top 10 finish this season. John Hunter Nemechek, uh, last year's winner at Pocono, uh, finished third. He posted his fourth top 10 finish in five races at the track. And Corey Heim, who finished fourth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, Zane Smith won the Camping World Truck Series regular season championship. He is the sixth different winner to accomplish that feat. Uh, also, Grant Tinfinger and Matt Crafton clinched those final two open spots in the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. So uh, uh, it was uh, a big race. I'm going to uh, continue here in just a minute so we know uh, who the other finishers were. He earned his second, uh, Chandler Smith earned his second Truck Series victory of the season, taking the trophy at Pocono Raceway, uh, and uh, the win was his second of the season at Pocono and the fourth of his career uh, were the remainder of the top ten. Let's see. Ryan Priest was second, followed by John Hunter Nemechek. Corey Heim finished in uh, fourth place, followed by Carson Hosevar. Then it was Austin Hill, Ty Majeski, Christian Eckes, Derek Krause had a great finish, and Tanner Gray. 
The pole sitter, Zane Smith, won the regular season championship uh, and is the top seed into the first round of the playoffs. He had issues with his throttle getting stuck, and after repairs, he ended up finishing 13th. Despite finishing within the top 10 after losing his power steering, Derek Krause actually missed the playoffs based on points uh, to Matt Crafton. Uh, that that was a disappointment for Derek Krause. He came so close. Stage one was won by Chandler Smith. Stage two was won by Christian Eckes. There were five lead changes among the three drivers and five cautions for 20 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 111.593 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the uh, top ten finishers there? Yeah, it was a, it was a, like you said, it was a really good race between Chandler Smith and, and um, uh, Ryan Priest. Ryan Priest. Oh, uh, yeah, Ryan Priest. It was good to see um, Matt Crafton get back in the, to get to, you know, make it back into the class. I think. They said something about that. Every season that he's raced, he's made it. Yep, he's made it in. Yeah, so it was it was a close one for him. Very close. It Um, was very close. Yeah, it was. Corey Heim, like you said, highest finishing rookie. You know, fourth. Um, Man, those. uh, You start looking at the drivers that Kyle Busch has racing for him. He, you know. He really knows how to pick um, pick some good drivers. He definitely does. Uh, a few drivers did have uh, only one driver had a mechanical issue, other than the, what we already talked about with the throttle for uh, 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 Zane Smith, and that was able to be fixed. Haley Deegan was out of the race on lap 57 because of a brake issue, and then two drivers uh, were caught up in an incident. Early in the race, accidents early in the race, uh, I was so disappointed for Todd Bodine. His 800th start, uh, he was very emotional at the start of the race, talking about uh, what a what a blessing it's been to be able to have 800 starts in the Camping World uh, Truck Series. Uh, but he had an accident on lap 12, and that took him out of the race. Uh, that was sad to see. And then also Jack Wood, an accident on lap 18, took him out of the race uh, for his 35th place finish. Yeah, you know, yeah, I I felt bad for the Onion, too. He was, um, you know, all he wanted to do was finish the race, you know, and it's sad, you know, that the person that he got in the wreck with had to go and, you know, drop a few F-bombs on him, you know, and, Make it seem there like, like he's the worst driver on the track when actually he's a she has no camp. experience. Yeah, <laughs> and she has no experience. She has no right disrespecting a champion like that. Um, yeah. Lost more, even more, lost even more respect for her because of that. She should let it go. But you know, either way, you know, um, you know, um, hats off to Campy World um, CEO. Um, Gosh, I can't remember his. I had his name right now. Marcus Lamone. Or you know, for putting, yeah, Marcus for putting him in the, you know, for getting him this opportunity to to get that 800 start. He's the one that that sponsored him, you know, that put mm-hmm. him in the truck, you know, so he so he can get you know to that magic number 800. You know, that for yeah. him to only run 12 laps, you know, was was hard, but all in all, you know what, he got it. Um, 
he has a storied um, history, you know, in the, mm-hmm. the Tap World Truck Series. And I'm yes, and, and a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of fans, you know, were happy to see him. Um, yes, they were. You know, able to, uh, to compete. Yes, they were. Um, the margin of victory uh, between Chandler Smith and uh, Ryan Priest was point two six two seconds. So it was a really close finish. Uh, you have the points standings here for the truck series. We yeah, you know what? I, I yeah, I have the I have both. I have the playoff. Okay. I was looking at the playoff ones, but then I was looking at do the, the do the playoff one, Sal. What the points are going into the playoffs? Okay, the points going into the playoffs are. Let's see. Gosh, you know what? I I was just I was just reading it on it. It was really interesting because. Um. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Wow. It's over at NASCAR. dot com if you want to see that. Um, it, it, it's right here at Jayski had it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jayski had it too. Here it is down here. Okay. <clears throat> so this is how they this is how they're lining up for for the uh, playoffs. Zay Smith, of course. Our champion, 237, 2,037 points. So he's going to be 37 points because they all reset to 2,000. Mm-hmm. Um, no, number two is uh, Chandler Smith with uh, 2,022, 15 behind. Dave um, Smith is then third is Ben Rhodes with 2,017. Fourth is John Hunter Nemechek with 2,016. Fifth is Stuart Friesen with 2013. Sixth is Kristen Eckes with 2007. Seventh is Ty Majeski, 2006. Eighth is Carson Hosevar with 2005. Ninth is Grant Enfinger with 2002. And our tenth and last driver is uh, Matt Crafton with 2001 points, 36 points behind Zane Smith. There's going to be a heck of a a battle for um, basically for Majeski, Hosovar, and Finger, and Crafton being, you know, 30 points out of first. Yep, yep. <clears throat> but, you know, it's early. Uh, they've got, uh, what, eight races uh, in their playoffs. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, plays out. Uh, let me look at the schedule here, uh, and we'll go over those eight races. Um Truck Series uh, schedule. Okay, the the playoff races here for the Camping World Truck Series starts at uh, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park this weekend in August. On on the 13th, they go to Richmond Raceway. That's the one that uh, Chandler Smith was saying uh, could be an issue for him with his wife uh, expecting a baby. Um, So keep your eye on that. In September on the 9th, they'll race at Kansas Speedway, uh, and that is uh, a cutoff race for uh, the Truck Series. Then September the 15th, they'll race at Bristol Motor Speedway to start off the round of eight. Uh, Then they go to October 1st out to Talladega Super Speedway, October 22nd at Homestead Miami Speedway. 
So uh, that's uh, six races right there. So actually it's seven races that they have. Uh, <clears throat> Homestead Miami will be the cutoff race for the truck series in October on, a, on the 22nd. And then the season finale takes place November the 4th out at Phoenix Raceway. So uh, that is uh, seven races that uh, will complete the uh, uh, playoff rounds for these drivers. So uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and actually here's another here's another thing that the drivers are going to have to watch out for too with the playoff points they have. Zane Smith is coming into the playoffs with 22 playoff points. Chandler mm-hmm. Smith is coming in with 12. John Hunter Nemechek. Well, let's go in order. Chandler Smith with 12. Ben Rose, who's finished seventh, is coming in with 13. Chandler Smith is coming in with 12. John Hunter Nemechek at eight. Stuart Friesen with six. Um, Carson Hosevar has two playoff points. Christian Eckes and Tyman Jeske each have one. Grant Enfield, yeah. Matt Crafton, both have zero. Wow. Yeah, those playoff points uh, make a big difference uh, for these drivers uh, when they go into the playoffs. So uh, it is going to be interesting to see how that uh, continues to uh, play out. Uh, reset driver's points. Okay. <clears throat> okay, yeah. Zane Smith has a whopping 37 playoff points coming into uh, the playoffs. That's huge. Uh, he got those 15. That's like three additional wins uh, that he gets to add to his playoff points uh, to start off uh, that playoff season for them. Uh, Chandler Smith with 22. Uh, five drivers have double digits. Stuart Friesen, John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Chandler Smith, and uh, Zane Smith, all ranging from 13 for uh, Stuart Friesen up to 37 for Zane Smith. That's huge. Yeah, it is huge, especially with Grant Empinger and Matt Crafton not having any. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, they had their chance, though. It just didn't work out for them. Uh, we'll have to see how the playoffs uh, play out, you know, in these next seven races uh, or the next six races leading into uh, the finale at Phoenix Raceway where the Final Four will uh, compete for that championship. So uh, interesting stuff there. Yes, they have their – they definitely have their work cut out for them. Um, oh, actually, Matt Crafton has one and Grant and Finger have two. So, but oh, even okay. then, even then, you're looking at Zane Smith with 37 and Chandler Smith with 22, um, Ben Rose with 17, and John Hunter Dimitrescu with 16. Yeah, that one point that uh, Matt Crafton has is actually from a stage win. So yeah, is it from a? Wait a second. Where did he get no, that one? No, it wasn't one? from a stage win. Yeah, it wasn't for a stage win. I don't know where he got that no, one point from. <laughs> I think I think NASCAR just slipped it in there. Kind of as a as a past champion provisional point. Yeah, same thing with Grant Infigur. They're showing two points for him. Uh so yeah, I guess because they're the last two drivers 
they end up getting that uh, those additional points, but it's only one in two points for those drivers. Yeah, so I mean, but still, that one or two points can make a difference. Yep, it can. We'll have to see how how it happens. Uh, who's your pick for the uh, championship at the end of the season? <clears throat> Who do you think? You well, let's start with the final four. Who are going to be the final four? I think the final four is going to be. Gosh, what a what a long shot. Uh, Matt hasn't really done anything. I really wanted to go with Matt Crafton as one of them, but you got to almost go with Dane Smith, um, Ben Rhodes. I would say John Hunter Nemechek, and um, I'd say Christian Eckes. Oh, wow. Yeah, Christian has had some strong runs. I'm going to say it's the top four drivers. I'm going to say Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, Ben Rhodes, and John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, but we'll see. Some of these drivers, somebody like a Carson Hosevar, Christian Eckes, or Ty Majeski, I think any one of those drivers could really come on strong during the playoffs. So we'll have to see. All they need is a win. All they need is a win. A win, a win they're in, it don't matter what the, the playoff points. Round. Yeah, yep. playoff points don't mean nothing. You get a win. And that's kind of what I was yep. thinking about. Maybe Matt Crafton does get a win to put him in. Maybe he will. But, you know, Grant Tinfinger could get a win uh, during these next few races, so we'll have to see what happens. We see Daniel Hemrick well, do it last year. Yeah, well, yeah, that was amazing. His first win, he ends up winning the championship at the same time, so that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the Xfinity Series, uh, because that was a good race as well. Hold on here. Um, I'm trying to now go to the Xfinity Series for the uh, post-race. Okay. This was a pretty exciting race, too, between uh, a finish between Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs. Uh, I think that's one for the ages. Uh, in the seventh annual Explore the Pocono Mountains 225 on Saturday, Noah Gregson at the age of 24, driving the number nine Bass Pro Shops True Timber BRCC Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports with uh, Luke Lambert as his crew chief. He uh, got an, his eighth victory in 121 Xfinity Series races, his third victory and 13th top 10 finish in 2022. It was also his first victory and third top 10 finish in four races at Pocono Raceway. Ty Gibbs finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in two races at Pocono, and he's the 11th top 10 finish this season. Josh Berry uh, finished in third, his second top 10 finish in two races at Pocono. Sheldon Creed was fifth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race, uh, and this was an exciting uh, race. Uh, two of the most determined, talented young drivers in NASCAR put on a show for the ages in closing laps of uh, Sunday's race. 24-year-old Noah Grayson held off Ty Gibbs, 19, by the blink of an eye to take the victory. Uh, when taking the lead with 22 laps left, Noah Gregson went on to hold off Ty Gibbs to win 
in the Xfinity Series race at Pocono. It's Gregson's first triumph at Pocono while earning his third checkered flag of the season. Gibbs finished second besides, despite trading Pate with Gregson on the final lap. Josh Berry again finished third. Then it was A.J. Amendinger and Sheldon Creed rounding out the top five. Sam Mayer placed uh, sixth, followed by Justin Algauer, Austin Hill, Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer to round out the top ten. <laughs> Algauer picked up his sixth stage win of the season, winning the first stage. Nor Gregson earned his series-high seventh stage win uh, in stage two, and then, of course, he won the race. Uh, there were nine lead changes among eight drivers, five cautions for 18 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 123.438 miles per hour. The uh, margin of victory, 0.281 seconds. Your thoughts about the top ten finishers here? Yeah, it was a good race. I mean, to see uh, Ty Gibbs and Noah, you know, battle it out, you know, without, you know, wrecking each other. I thought for sure when Noah came up to Ty, he was going to, you know, put him in the wall. Then when Ty came up, I thought Ty was going to put him in the wall because those are their MOs. They've they've been yeah. known to do that. But they, <laughs> you know? they raced each but, other clean, and it made for an exciting finish, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yes, they did. But I think the exciting part was uh, seeing your cousin, Jeb Burton, and that, oh, that my wreck gosh. was pretty uh, – that wreck was pretty amazing, too. Yeah, I, I, we are not related, just to kind of make the record clear here. But, no, I, uh, no, I know. I, I get teased by that uh, quite a bit. Um, I, I will say, I, I Jeb Burton took a, uh, you know, thank goodness, uh, Pocono Raceway extended that barrier because so many drivers spun off of that turn three, uh, and he just had nowhere to go. He hit that car came down. Who was it that came down on him there? Uh, and it ended up uh, launching him up in the air, and he landed on his hit, on his uh, the top of his car. Yeah, it was a it was a rough hit. I'll tell you that it was. It, uh, it was. But he got out and you know went to the infield care center and came out did an interview and probably went back and watched the rest of the race, but. Yeah, that's not the way you want to end the race. Well, kudos to the track uh, people there. They did a good job of getting the car turned over and keeping him calm. Uh, And he was able to kind of communicate, too, uh, to let people know that he was okay. So uh, kudos to everybody for keeping their cool in that situation and uh, giving the uh, workers a chance to... uh, get his car turned over and, and to get him out of the car. But you could tell he was ready to get out of that car immediately. Oh yeah. As soon as they flipped it over and he was, he was already <laughs> hooking himself and, and um, get ready to get out real quick. Yep. yep. Definitely. So, okay. Let's see. There were several accidents throughout this race. Uh, lap one, it was, uh, and that was disappointing as well. Alex LeBay and Raja Caruso got together and uh, they both ended up uh, ending the race early. Lap 45, there were three people involved in an accident, Rookie Stenhouse Jr., Santino Ferrucci, and Ronnie Bassett Jr., all out uh, on lap 45. Lap 46, it was uh, Jeb Burton. He was the driver that was on top of his hood. 
uh, Jeremy Clements uh, out on lap 48 uh, due to an accident. And the final accident victim was Sammy Smith uh, on lap 53, taking him out of the race. So uh, that was unfortunate for all of those drivers uh, not being able to finish the race. But uh, we did see some uh, really amazing racing uh, I think from those top two drivers, and I was so happy to see them uh, have that clean finish. and And I think it really showcased their talent as well. The fact that they were able to finish that race very cleanly with each other. Oh yeah, I'm sure it did. It had, you know, it had to. You know what? And um, you know, even just on another note, um, you know, you had to take your head off the stage, Karen. You know, for yeah. coming back to Pocono. You know, you know after the you know, after what happened in IndyCar, you know, when him and yeah. um, uh, Justin Wilson, yeah, when him and Justin Wilson got in the wreck, and you know, he talked about it. They interviewed him before the race. You know, he talked about it and said, you know, it was hard to come back. You know, he said he he had to do it to make sure that he can still get into that you know first corner at full speed. You know, mm-hmm. and um, you know he. The only way you could do it, of course, was in an Xfinity car because he's not race, no longer racing um, any car anymore. And um, you know, so I mean, you know, it's kind of kind of neat to see him, you know, you know, get over that fear. You know, a lot of people think that these drivers are fearless. You know, and they wreck and they can do this and do that. You know, and they get back in the car, you know, and after a big wreck, you know. But um, you know, when you lose your one of your friends, you know what, and you're mm-hmm. you're part of the you're part of what happened, you know, we we never know how it affects That's him. huge. But it's huge. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he talked about it. Yeah, yeah. It was really good to see him uh, uh, take that step and, and be able to get through all of that. Uh, and I'm sure it was not an easy step for him to take, but I think it was also a necessary step for him to take uh, in order for him to move on from that. And, uh, you know, Kyle Petty, uh, Dale Jr., they all talked about each of them having to make their peace uh, with their situations as well. And uh, it's something very personal and, uh, you know, and and I think necessary. Uh, So it was good to see him get so much support from so many people as well. Oh, yeah, it was. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about here? Well, we'll go to the points here uh, for the Xfinity okay. Series. So the points were at um, um, AJ, AJ Allmendinger is still leading the points. Um, right behind him is uh, Justin Allgaier. Third is um, Ty Gibbs. Fourth is Josh Berry. And fifth is Noah Gregson. And rounding off the top six is the rookie Austin Hill, who has two race wins. Noah has three. Josh Berry has two. Ty Gibbs has four. Justin Algar with three. And H. Allendinger with two. And then from there, then we go down to Brandon Jones in seventh. Sam Mayer, who had his issues early on in the race, too, mm-hmm. is, still in eighth, is still in eighth. Riley Herbst, who who's looked like he was going to have a really good finish, and um, you know, it looked strong, you know, until he didn't do that last pit stop and started on the front. But 
he knew that they were going to get mowed, mowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, 10th is, is Daniel Hamrick, 11th is Ryan Sieg, and 12th is Landon Castle. And right there behind Landon Castle, Landon, Landon's on the bubble, and right behind him is uh, Sheldon Creed. Yep. And the 13th spot, so Sheldon's still trying to trying to find a win or trying to find enough points. So yeah, unfortunately, Brandon the, um, Brown put out on Twitter today that he's not going to be able to race at uh, IRP. I think they're going to be putting uh, Austin Dillon in that car uh, at IRP this weekend, uh, but it's because of sponsorship. He said it's something that uh, they worked hard at but was unable to secure that sponsorship. Uh, so he's going to sit out that race, in, but he said he would be back for the next race. So uh, look for Austin Dillon to be in that number 68 out at IRP. Yeah, they also pulled Ryan Vargas out of his car for IRP, too. For, yeah, but that, was, um, all he that said, was also planned. Yeah, well, he said it, it had to do with business, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm, curious, I'm curious who's going who's gonna to get in that number six. Oh, um, they haven't I, I know yet. last year they haven't announced. Ryan just made it out today. He was going to be racing. But I know last year they held Brad out of out of all the road courses because they didn't have no experience. So they held him out of it and, and had put someone else in. So there'll be somebody in the number six JE yeah. Motorsports car this year also. That, that's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, you've got Sheldon Creed, who really has been coming on during the second half of the season. I know we were a little disappointed we thought he would do better in the first half, uh, but he's still got a chance if he can get a win uh, in these next several races that could put him into the playoffs for this series. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can make that happen. Yeah, it is definitely going to be interesting. He's He's got his work cut out for him, too. You know, and a win, you know, would, gosh, you know, would, like you said, you know, put put him in the playoffs, and, um, and I'm sure that's what he wants nothing more is to be in the playoffs. They've got uh, let's see here, that's four, five, six, seven, seven races before their playoffs begin, uh, starting at IRP this weekend. Then it's uh, in August they'll be racing at Michigan, Watkins Glen, and Daytona, and then uh, in September. Uh, the final three races of the season for this Xfinity Series will be at Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol Motor Speedway on September the 16th. So there's still uh, seven chances uh, for drivers to get that victory to punch their ticket into the playoffs here for the Xfinity Series. Any any uh, calls on who you think might be able to pick up a win between now and then? You know, it's it's kind of hard. You know, I kind of had my eyes set on Riley, but that SHR team just doesn't – they just don't they're have – They're way behind. You know, other than that, you know, I don't see anybody else that could – maybe Daniel Hammer can pick up a win, but he's already in anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's – you know – it's hard to say. Ty Gibbs probably wouldn't all the next races after this. I'm sure he's going to be hungry the next race after after what happened this past weekend. Oh, yeah. You know, that's true. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, 
there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven race winners out of the 12 uh, qualifiers right now. So uh, that means that there's five drivers that haven't gotten a win yet. Any of those five drivers you think can pick up a win between now and then? I know you mentioned Riley and Daniel. You know, that's really, I mean, I, I you know, I, at the end of the season, I would have said Sheldon, but Sheldon just hasn't—he hasn't picked up the, the, the car yet. He hasn't just—he mm-hmm. doesn't know. You know, he's still learning. The big, obviously, it's a big learning curve for him because of you know his finishes. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he's showing improvement. I, I but just, you're right; it, it has been a big learning. Yeah, curve. yeah. There's, there's, there hasn't been enough improvement to say you know, hey, you know what? I got my money on, um, on a. Uh, on Sheldon Creed. Okay. Uh, thoughts about the top four here? Top four? Probably going to be, um, let me see. The final four, I should say. <clears throat> the final four probably be Ty Gibbs. Um, you got to leave Noah in there, even though he's fitting in points. Um, he's fifth in points because of the points that he lost with the with that um, penalty. But um, AJ Allmendinger and um, gosh, and probably Justin Allgaier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with your assessment there. We're on the same page there. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the Cup Series. Uh, I've got to pull up new stats here. So let me take care of that. Give me just a second. Okay. Now, this race, uh, it's going to be interesting. Okay, they do have Chase Elliott here. Uh, we thought we knew who the race winners were, and then it all changed. Uh, but it ends up being, for the 49th annual M&M's Fan Appreciation 400, Chase Elliott is your winner at the age of 26, driving the number nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports with crew chief Alan Gustafson. It was his 17th victory in 242 NASCAR Cup Series races, his fourth victory in 15 <coughs> top 10 finish this year, and his first victory in the eighth top 10 finish in 14 races at Pocono Raceway. Wow, hard to believe he's had 14 races already. Uh, Tyler Reddick finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in six races at Pocono and his eighth top 10 finish this season. Daniel Suarez finished third, posting his fourth top 10 finish in 12 races at Pocono. Harrison Burton finished 23rd. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And for Chevrolet, it was their 34th NASCAR Cup Series victory at Pocono Raceway this weekend. So uh, moving on here. Um Elliott uh, won the race uh, after Hamlin and Bush failed their post-race inspections. Uh, he was uh, Chase Elliott was declared the winner 
after first and second place finishers from Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch were disqualified uh, during their post-race technical inspection. Uh, it is a series best fourth race victory for uh, the driver of the number nine uh, from Hendrick Motorsports. He now leads the championship standings by 105 points over Ross Chastain and 111 over Ryan Blaney. Chase Elliott won uh, the race after uh, Hamlin and Bush were disqualified. It was Elliott's fourth race of the season, the first at Pocono and 17th of his career. Then Reddick finished second, followed by Suarez, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Michael McDowell, also having a great run here recently, Martin Truex Jr., Bob Wallace, Eric Jones, and Austin Dillon rounding out the top ten. Hamlin started on the pole and overcame an early spin to battle back to the front of the field, and with 16 laps remaining, he was running second behind Chastain, when the two got together and Chastain was forced up into the wall. Hain could not continue. He ended up finishing 34th. Hamlin and Kyle Busch went on to cross the finish line first and second before their disqualification. Stage one was won by Kyle Larson. Stage two by Ross Chastain after Bush's disqualification. Uh, there were 15 lead changes among 10 drivers and nine cautions for 37 yellow flag laps. Uh, the margin of victory, well, it's hard to say what the margin of victory was, really, uh, because um, I guess they're going between uh, Chase Elliott and Tyler Reddick. The margin of victory was 0.927 seconds. Uh, so uh, your thoughts about the top ten here and the disqualification for Denny Hamlin and uh, Kyle Busch? You know, I know, you know, I read about it and seen it, and you know what it is, what it is. I mean, you don't – I'm curious what they're, what, how far they're going to take it. If NASCAR is going to make it a level three and possibly, which we know they won't, but they really should be kicked out of the playoffs. For, for, yeah, for, uh, I mean – it, it really, whether it was intentional or not, NASCAR's made it very, very clear that um, that there's no messing around with with all of these parts, and that they are going to be very strict this year. Uh, they are trying to change the culture, and it's unbelievable how some people still uh, subscribe to the "if you're not cheating, you're not trying" uh, philosophy. But when you're talking about a sport, uh, you know, like NASCAR, you can't have that happening in this sport or any other sport for that matter. Uh, It's not a good example. I felt so bad for Hamlin's daughter. She was so emotional about that victory. And then uh, to find out that it was taken away, uh, I, I felt bad for her because, this is a child. Uh, how do you explain that to your child? <laughs> um, uh, and and you know, so many people talked about uh, um, how it cheated uh, uh, Chase Elliott from a chance to celebrate in Victory Lane as well. So it's just not tolerated anymore in NASCAR. NASCAR has made that very clear, and it still shocks me 
that there are people who think that that should be uh, acceptable in this sport, and it's just not acceptable in this sport to to be doing things that you've been told is not acceptable. And um, Gibbs, Joe Gibbs Racing has already said that they're not going to uh, appeal the penalty. They're going to accept the uh, disqualification and move on from here. Uh, but you know somebody had to test it, and um, they found out what happens. They crossed the line. You know, and for them testing it, you know what, and, and going to that extent, <clears throat> you know what, you 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 have to set the you have to set the bar you have to set the standard, you know just because it's Joe Gibbs you just can't let them, you know, you just can't let it go. No. You know it, it's not right it's not right to the rest of the series, and it's not right to NASCAR. Why even put the rule in place if you're not going to force it? <clears throat> you know exactly. Everybody said, well, well it's not Hamlin's fault. You know he's not the one that did that sets up the car. It's not. Kyle Busch's fault. He's not the one that sets up the car. But you know what? It's a team sport. That's you know right. what? And and um, you know what? And and <clears throat> it's always been like that. You know. So should they be uh, penalized for it? Yes, they should because it's it's, it's their team. You know, um, wh- whether they felt the car handled different or whether it did or not, that's not the point. The point is, you know, that it, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team. You know, that's up to that's Joe right. Gibbs, you know, and, and his car chiefs, you know, to make sure, you know, that, you know, that the when these cars are built, you know, they don't, I mean, it was plainly was obvious. They put a piece, you know, they added, they added plastic or whatever it was, tape, you know, behind the, the wrap. They knew what they were doing. Now, if it was something that... They knew what they were doing. May, yeah, I mean, especially if they try to hide it with the wrap, thinking, oh, well, NASCAR will take the wrap off. You know what, mm-hmm. you, you've got to... You got to give them that that $250,000, fine. You know what? And you got to kick them out of the playoffs and say, you know what, guys, I'm sorry, but you know what? <laughs> you know, your team, this ain't the first time you've been caught cheating. You know what? And you know what? And the rules blatantly said, you know, if you mess with the, any part of the car, you know, you know, what we've already put out there, you know, you're – you got to pay the penalty for it, man. You know what? And NASCAR is going to bet they're going to they're going to turn a blind eye to it, and they might not take it any further. They might just let it go. They might give them a hundred thousand dollar fine. You know, let them continue to race. But you know, you, there comes a time when you know if you're going to make the rules, you know, you got to enforce them. You know, and you got to force them to the no matter who well, it is. Gonna, you know, and and um, they're going to take a little bit of a, a hit in the points, but honestly. Um, I really, I really think they need to come down strong on this because, uh, the way these guys look at it is risk versus reward. And, uh, they ended up, uh, the finish for Denny Hamlin was 35th. The finish for Kyle Busch was 36th. So they didn't make very many points in this particular race. But, uh, I, I just, you don't know if they've done it before and if it's why they have race wins uh they may have gotten by with it before and just didn't get caught but now that nascar's caught that you can be sure they're going to be on the lookout for it and you're right it's not fair to the rest of the field it's not fair to somebody like chase elliott 
who should have been the one to celebrate in Victory Lane with the trophy, and he didn't get that opportunity. He was actually at home. Uh, he was on the flight uh, and got home before he found out that he had actually won the race. So uh, it's not a good look for the sport. Uh, it's an embarrassment that a team would put their driver in that kind of a position, uh, from my point of view. And uh, I think NASCAR needs to – they haven't said whether or not they're going to – it depends on what they find when they take the cars uh, for further evaluation at the Research uh, and Development Center uh, for NASCAR. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think they need to come down hard on this. And I, they want to end that culture. So why people continue to perpetuate that is wrong to me. If you've got an idea – Take it to NASCAR. If they approve it, then you can do it. If they don't approve it, then don't do it. <laughs> and I'm just that firm about it. It's not well, fair to Well, first of all, they're not going <clears> to <throat> – they knew what they were doing, so they're automatically it's, it's not going to go to NASCAR. You know, well, it's, know, it's one of those things, you know. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, you know, where they thought that, you know. Yeah, you know, then, you know, then it came, you know, then it came the trophy, you know, well, you know. I want the trophy. Well, did Ham, Hamlin says he earned the trophy. You know, he won the race. Okay. I don't think so. So, you know, and, and you know, and Chase, keep, you know, go to keep it. You know, I don't want it. You know what? If, if it means that much, you know, go to, you, you, you want to put a, you know, a trophy with an asterisk on your mantle, you know, go ahead. But, you How know, can at you the end that? of the day, you know, you didn't win it because you didn't win the race. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't see how you can – that says a lot about the person if they feel that that trophy is theirs. It is not their trophy. Their team uh, did something that uh, was not legal, and whether it was by intent or by accident – they did something that was illegal, and they didn't have a process in place to catch that uh, if it was not intentional. So, no, he did not win that race because it did give them an aerodynamic advantage, uh, and that's why NASCAR uh, gave them the DQs. So, uh, yeah. But let's go ahead and, and um, move on here. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about this extensively in our uh, hot topic tonight as well. Uh, But um, uh, let's see, there were a few uh, incidents here. On lap 35, Josh Balicki had an accident, taking him out of the race. Lap 135 uh, and 142, uh, let's see, there were two more accidents. Ryan Blaney ended up uh, out of the race. That's who it was. Ryan Blaney is, uh, was it Ryan Blaney that ran into, uh, uh, no, that's yeah, a different no, race. Right. Never mind. Yeah, different yeah, that race. Was yeah, okay. that was okay, and Ross Chastain on lap 42 had that incident with Denny Hamlin taking him out of the race. Uh, and it's ironic that he ends up finishing ahead of Timmy Hamlin in the uh, running order here after uh, yeah, it payback. was. <laughs> you know, there was all kinds of stuff on social media, you know, that 
Hey, I know, Danny, I, I finished. You know, don't, don't matter. Yeah, I finished ahead of you, you know, and then the other one, you know, where uh, saw- they, sh- they showed Danny shrugging his What happened, Danny shrugging his shoulders? I don't know. <laughs> well, and I saw the one with uh, Ross Castain uh, with eating a DQ. Uh, a DQ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cup out of a DQ, DQ cup. Was- yeah. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny, too. But, um, yeah, it's it's just an interesting scenario. Um, and, you know, uh, karma bites. <laughs> I hate to say it. But anyway, um, we'll see what happens here as uh, we continue on. But let's go ahead and cover the points real quick. Okay, so now we're just looking at. Out of time. Uh, yeah, okay. The points we're looking at: um, Chase Elliott, who's already been announced as the uh, regular season champion, wasn't he? No, not yet. No, nope, they still got seven. They still have uh, more races. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So either way, Chase Elliott is the first. Ross Chastain the second. Ryan Blaney in third. Kyle Larson in fourth, Mark Truex in fifth, Christopher Bell in sixth, Joey Logano seventh, and Kyle Busch round out the top eight. Um, Kyle Busch dropped a a lot, not really, you know, you know. I guess we'll see what happens with with if any more penalties come around, and then uh, and then from there, then we go ninth is William Byron, tenth is Kevin Harvick. 11th is Alex, Alex Bowman, 12th is Daniel Suarez, 13th is Eric Almarola, 14th is Tyler Reddick, 15th is Austin Sidrick, and 16th is Chase Briscoe. And uh, Chase is on the bubble, and he's only two points. There's only two points separating him and Kurt Busch. But then you also got to remember you have uh, – you got Kurt Busch who has a win, so he, Kurt's already in. Danny Hamlin, who's 21st in points, has two wins, so Hamlin is in. And uh, that's going to push, uh, basically it's going to push Reddick. No, because Reddick has a win. Cedric has a win. Um, it's going to put Eric Almarola. Gosh, there's a lot of scenarios over here. Yeah. Uh, Chase, Denny Hamlin... Uh, right now is uh, 21st in the points, uh, so that pushes. You got Kurt Busch with a win, Chase Briscoe with well, Chase Briscoe is 16th, so it pushes Eric Almarola and Kevin Harvick out uh, below the cut line. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, we're at the top of the hour, and actually one minute passed already. Uh, But it's been great talking with you, Sal. It's good to be back on the air, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, doing this again next uh, Monday night. All right. Well, everybody have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you guys all next week. Okay. Take care, Sal. Okay. All right. Good night. Good night. Okay, with that, we are ready for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and uh, our Fan for Racing crew is all here. Uh, Let's start with uh, Jay uh, Jay Huseman. Welcome back to the show, Jay. 
Thank you, Sharon. I heard you say it. It's good to be back on the air, and it is. But the first topic, before you even introduce anybody, I know I speak for the entire team. We're glad you're okay and doing good. So that's the most important thing. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I had 10 days of up and down, <laughs> not knowing, uh, feeling good one minute and not so good the next. So uh, I'm, I'm glad it's over and I'm ready to move on. Uh, also, a big welcome to Andy Lasky. Or no, not Andy Lasky, Mike Orzel. Hello! Again, yeah, great to hear you're feeling better, Sharon. Good to be back on the air. Okay, thank you. And also to Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Glad to hear that you're okay and that you're back. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Never thought that would happen. I take such uh, big precautions all the time, Uh, but I guess this new variant is uh, pretty contagious and uh, out of a group that I uh, deal with, there were eight of us that were out with COVID all at the same time. So I'm sure that's where it all happened. So uh, anyway, uh, let's get on with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off for tonight. And uh, let's see. Jay, let's start with you for the first Hot Topic here. Well, I think you got to start where, where the race ended, and, and that is in post-race inspection. The top two cars, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, DQ'd. Okay. Uh, This is going to be an interesting because I know there's going to be some disagreements here. But, uh, Mike, let's hear your thoughts. Well, this is huge. Um, This was NASCAR back in 2019. NASCAR kind of changed their enforcement model for penalties for post-race inspection. It used to be that... They would, they called it an encumbered win, where you would still be considered the race winner, you would still get the trophy, but you wouldn't get points and the win wouldn't count towards playoff eligibility. That's what their encumbered win was. And a lot of people said that wasn't sufficient, not enough of a penalty. So in 2019, NASCAR said, if you fail post-race inspection, we will disqualify you. That has not happened to a winner in the NASCAR Cup Series until this past weekend. There have been disqualifications um, from other positions, for example, Jimmy Johnson was disqualified from the second-place finishing position in the 2020 Coke 600. Uh, there's also been several disqualifications, uh, winners and other positions in the Xfinity and Truck Series, but this is the first time we've had a winner disqualify the NASCAR Cup Series. In fact, it's the first time that a winner has been disqualified in the NASCAR Cup Series since 1960, and the first time that the first two uh, drivers or competitors had been disqualified since 1955. So really big deal, kind of unprecedented in the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, What happened was, in post-race inspection, they were peeling some of the wrap off of the two Joe Gibbs racing cars, the number 11 and number 18 of Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, and they found uh, basically additional layers of vinyl underneath the wrap, the decorative wrap that's on the outside of the car, and in NASCAR's determination, that provided an, a potential aerodynamic advantage for those cars. Both the cars had the same issue, and both the cars were disqualified. So now Chase Elliott is officially the winner of the Pocono race. Um, they did say that, that they don't anticipate additional penalties as a result of this. However, both cars did get taken back to the R&D Center in Charlotte for additional teardown. So there may be additional penalties coming forward. We're going to have to pay attention to this. But, yeah, definitely big, big news here uh, with playoff implications as well because Chase Elliott gets those five playoff points, 
And he gets uh, all the race win points, the stage points, everything that Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch had previously gotten. Well, those all go to Chase Elliott so the rich get richer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other thoughts? Or are you saving it for the next round? Oh, well, I think it's the right call. I mean, I've said before, and I, I know I said it in our chat, that I, I do enjoy the cat-and-mouse game between the, the teams and the guy with the clipboard. But sometimes the guy with the clipboard wins, and this is the consequence, and I've got absolutely no problem with it. Um, that's not just because I'm a Chase Elliott fan and I'm happy the guy won, but, you know, you play games, you win prizes sometimes, and right now it looks like the Joe Gibbs Racing Team, they won the prize that you get when you get caught cheating. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts? Thanks for Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs having the top two cars disqualified. I mean, of course, it's the right call. I mean, um, you obviously can't do what they did, so um, they got what was coming for them. Um, lucky day to be Chase Elliott. Um, seeing on Twitter how he's reacted, he's already said that, you know, he wants Denny to keep the trophy and all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, handling it the right way. Um, Denny posted a photo of... of or a video of him drinking the champagne and uh, with beside the trophy. So I guess Chase isn't going to get that champagne that he won. But uh, either way, I mean, like I said, it just stinks for uh, Joe Gibbs. I know he's not happy. And um, I saw the uh, where they didn't even appeal, and Toyota released a statement. And Toyota, you know, they didn't really, they didn't seem really happy. But instead of they backed Joe Gibbs in that as far as decision. So. Um, yeah, um, I'm sure we'll learn more about what happened there uh, over over the next couple days, over the week before the next race. But um, just not good for Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, and lucky day for Chase Elliott. Yeah, um, my my issue, I I agree with you guys. I think it was absolutely the right thing for NASCAR to do. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't want to crown a champion that has cheated throughout the season. And, and that's part of what we don't know is whether or not they've done it before and just didn't get caught. Uh, so I really, uh, think NASCAR needs to do their due diligence and I'm sure that they will, uh, to make sure that that's not something that, uh, continues to happen, uh, <clears throat> with race winners, especially, uh, and uh, I, I do think that uh, they are trying to change the culture. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Uh, that has prevailed with NASCAR over the years, uh, and that's what this is all about, is changing that culture and that way of thinking. I felt so bad for Denny Hamlin's daughter standing in victory lane, uh, getting so emotional over what she thought was the victory for Denny Hamlin, uh, only to find out later that, it had to be taken away. Um, and as far as Denny Hamlin keeping that trophy, I don't really understand the thinking with that. Uh, I, I, I know he feels like he won that race, uh, but he did not do it legally. And I don't think he should have that trophy. That's my personal take on it. I think it's nice of Chase Elliott. I know Chase... Uh, said that he doesn't really want to get a win in this manner, and I can appreciate where he's coming from. Uh, but the team, 
uh, cheated him of the opportunity to celebrate as he should have celebrated in Victory Lane uh, by doing what they did with that car. So, um, and and I've seen uh, a lot of people on Twitter uh, saying things like, uh, it's a bad look for the sport. And it is a bad look for the sport when you have teams getting caught with that type of uh uh, thing happening. Why have that tape underneath the wrap? Um, and it's in essence uh, doing what they used to do with the cars where they would put tape over the grill in order to protect the engine from overheating. And uh, that's what these guys did. They basically put the tape over the grill um, uh, and gave themselves that uh, aerodynamic uh, advantage. So, uh, again, it's illegal. NASCAR did what they had to do, and it's unfortunate that they were put in that position to have to do that because it is a very bad look for the sport. Jay? Well, i gotta get, I got to give props to Mike there with the uh, statistics he had to start us off here. Uh, I hadn't realized that it hadn't been a winner that had been disqualified um, under mm-hmm. the, this new rules. And that's the one thing that I think NASCAR in all the years has never lived up to. Uh, He talked about that encumbered win. Nobody really knew what that meant. It didn't really affect you because you got the win anyway, and it was just all confusing. If you're illegal, you're out. I mean, that's that's simple. That's black and white, you know. Now, when you you talk, I know Sharon and Mike, uh, the two you mentioned about disagreeing, the changing the culture, and I don't know why NASCAR is – essentially the only sport that the whole if you're not cheating you're not trying concept comes into play i mean no other sport promotes that i understand where the where racing started and how it started and what they're trying to do but i've said this before there are series out there it's called outlaw series it's run what you brung if that's what you want to do go run them okay nascar is trying to now i do feel that there are some areas where they could lighten up the rules and allow some more ingenuity, but they have not yet. I mean, they got them in a box. They're in the, you know, stay in the box. I think they could open that box up a little bit, bring back, like Mike said, the ingenuity and let these crew chiefs and engineers really play with some things. But until they do, don't do it. And, and this is the cost of it. And I think this was a huge statement as far as that. Like you said, it's the top two cars. I mean, third place wins the race. I mean, that's, you know, you see it occasionally at at local dirt tracks, but not at the top level like that. So, I mean, I think that's a huge statement in and of itself. And I'll save my other part to the second go-around. Okay. Um, So do you think they need to do more, Mike, or is this enough? Well, that's going to be the big question. Um, And it's really – Joe Gibbs Racing really came up with an ingenious solution here. And if you haven't been to the NASCAR Hall of Fame in downtown Charlotte, you really owe it to yourself to go there. They've got an entire section there devoted to cheating in the sport. And they've got examples of confiscated parts that they've taken throughout the years. And they have an example sitting right next to it of what a legal part would look like. And you can look at the two of them, you can compare them, and can see the differences that these teams have come up with, these ingenious ways that they've come up with around the rules. And that spirit of ingenuity was 100% present in Joe Gibbs Racing's solution. And 
it may even be enough to dodge an additional penalty because NASCAR said thou shalt not tamper with Gen 7 spec parts that have to come from the manufacturer. Well, they didn't. And they found a way to manipulate the body of the race car without tampering with the Gen 7 spec part. What they did is they basically put a couple additional layers of vinyl to thicken up part of it. It wasn't over the, uh, the grill, so it wasn't like putting tape on the grill. It thickened up part of the front fascia down uh, kind of in the splitter area to give it a little bit more aerodynamic grab. And the really ingenious part is when you peel that, that wrap up, they were counting on that getting peeled up with the wrap and having just a regular bare part there underneath it. Well, somebody noticed it when they peeled the wrap off the front of the car, and that's how they got caught. But Mm -hmm. they didn't modify the Gen 7 part. So the question is, is it going to be enough to constitute an additional penalty, that L3 penalty that we heard about and that Brad Keselowski's team got hit with earlier this year? Well, from a black and white interpretation of the rule book, it almost sounds like, no, they didn't tamper with a Gen 7 part. They tampered with the covering on the car. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. We're probably not going to find anything out until Tuesday or Wednesday. But in the statement that NASCAR released when they announced the disqualification, they said that it likely doesn't merit additional penalty, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Okay, Tommy. Yeah, I'm curious to see what um, they're going to announce additionally this week, too. But um, definitely the right call. I mean, like you guys said, it, it does feel like NASCAR is like the only sport that actually says, you know, you're not cheating if you're trying. Um, I mean, Tom Brady's been busted a couple times. But, I mean, that dude's got seven Super Bowls. So, you know, cheater or not, he still is good. But you definitely don't want the uh, the reputation, like you guys said. And it doesn't look good either. I agree with that statement. It doesn't look good that two cars um, got disqualified. Um, just a great lucky day to be Chase and uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, they come away with the uh, win, and Chase, you know, gets the points, and he gets extra stuff. So he's just building his championship case even further. And, um not a good day for Denny and definitely not a good day for Kyle Busch. Still looking for a sponsor. Had a second-place car or a car that could have won what I thought at one point. Now it doesn't even matter if he was going to win because he was going to get DQ'd. So um, not a good day for them at all. And I'm sure Joe Gibbs is not happy. Yeah, and uh, I might lead into another hot topic here, but I'm going to say it. I think it's just ironic that uh, Ross Chastain finishes ahead of Denny Hamlin now in the uh, race results uh, for this race. Uh, And I've seen some pretty funny memes on uh, Twitter, too, as it relates to that with uh, Chase Elliott uh, having some DQ ice cream. Um, So that's been kind of fun to see. But uh, I I don't – that aside, I really don't think it's a very good look for the sport. Um, to have uh, the top two drivers of a race disqualified. Uh, and uh, as far as additional, I think it, I think you're right, Mike. I think it all depends on what NASCAR finds when they uh, do a further review at the R&D Center uh, as to whether or not they'll take more. But honestly, I think they need to come down hard on this one. I know they lost some points, but they still have the race wins. They still have their... Um, uh, they still have their, um, what do you call it, uh, playoff points. Uh, 
and uh, I think about what happened with um, uh, Brad Keselowski, and they took 10 playoff points from him. Uh, and if he does get a race win, he starts in the hole with playoff points. I, I do think that something similar to that might need to happen in this particular case as well. Uh, it might have been uh, creative thinking on the part of Joe Gibbs Racing, but it was cheating. <laughs> There's no other way to look at that. And uh, I do think that they, if NASCAR wants to stop that kind of uh creative thinking, then they need to do something to discourage it. And I do think that maybe uh, they might need to consider. And maybe it's it's on the level of uh, first time, maybe they'll let it go by. But the, if they're caught a second time, I think they definitely need to take uh, points away. And uh, same with the third time, you're not in the playoffs. So because, as I said earlier, I just don't think – uh, it's a good look for the sport to crown a champion that has been caught cheating uh, throughout the season. Uh, so the last people I want to see winning a championship at this point are Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch uh, for this season. I want it to be anybody but them at this point. Uh, Jay? Well, you and Tommy both hit on a possible couple of other hot topics. Let me bring in how this might affect Kyle Busch in the sponsorship search uh, with Joe Gibbs mm-hmm. Racing. And you talking about Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain. And I know I have that one on my list if we can get, get to it tonight. I know we got a lot. What I look at, though, from the talking about the bad look for the sport, I don't view it as bad from the aspect because they were caught and, and they were penalized, which is what the fans supposedly wanted. And I use the word fans loosely because I haven't decided yet if they're truly NASCAR fans or if they're just bashing on it because they can uh, or want to. <laughs> but now they're saying, oh, NASCAR just DQ'd them so that their golden boy of Chase Elliott can win the race. No, that is uh, not what they were doing. Yet. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's what I don't understand is where that comes from. Uh, you know, I mean, and Chase Elliott said it. I don't want to win that way. You know, you win a race by a rain out or, uh, you know, an early call of the race, something like that. That's one thing. Okay, that happens. But to, especially from third place, you know, that far back, having the top two DQ'd, yeah, that's not how you want to win. You know they had the better car. And that, that's what Chase was saying, you know, with, with telling Denny to keep the Hamlin, uh, Denny Hamlin to keep the trophy. They got outrun. Now, whether that was because of the modification, don't know. Uh, NASCAR deemed it, it was an aero advantage and shouldn't have been there. When it comes to the penalty, I think it's a done deal. As, as Mike said, it, it, they did not modify one of the Gen 7 spec parts, which is a big no-no. They added to it. So I think the DQ of the race, as we've seen in the past, is going to be pretty much it. We go back to, I know... Uh, Mike mentioned it in the chat room, Chase Elliott's team pulling tape off the uh, spoiler a few years back. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the same thing. It, it cost him on the spot, boom, it was done. So that to me was a big thing. Um, I, th- I think it's done, and, and it, it hurts him. I mean, you know, the, the change between Denny Hamlin, I think they said he was going to come out if he'd gotten the race win and the points he had supposedly earned, was going to come out seated second in the standings. Now, like you mentioned, those points go to Chase Elliott and others. I mean, that's a huge shift. So I think that's pretty much done deal. 
Okay. And I do feel like it is a modification to to the car. Um, but, you know, that's just a different, my way of looking at it. They modified uh, the part of the car that they were told not to modify. And they hid it <laughs> so that NASCAR wouldn't find it. So, to me, that's a modification uh, to the to the car. So, anyway, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next hot topic. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Where do you want to go from here? Well, this is uh, this isn't going to be an official hot topic. I just want to point out to Jay. Talk about people saying that uh, NASCAR disqualified the top two so their golden boy could win. You should have seen the people saying the same stuff, trying to say that the SRX cheated up Chase Elliott's car so he could win the SRX race on Saturday. Forget that he beat Dave Blaney and Tony Stewart on dirt. It's just people got an axe to grind about Chase Elliott sometimes, and they want to pretend that he's not a very talented race car driver. Anyway. Speaking of talented race car drivers, I'm going to kind of make a two-for-one hot topic here because we've got a lot to cover. We've already talked about the contract negotiation issues with Kyle Busch, and things are starting to look pretty bad. Uh, I want to say it was uh, Dustin Long. I'm not positive on that, but he was citing his unnamed sources that say it looks pretty much of a done deal that Kyle Busch will not be back in the 18 next year. Uh, There were some nonverbal body language that was seen between Coach Gibbs and Kyle Busch after the race yesterday that looked pretty chilly. And uh, David Wilson, I I may be wrong, I think it's David Wilson uh, from TRD has also said that the the situation with Kyle Busch is not looking very good. I think he used the word up against a wall right now. Things are not looking good for Kyle Busch returning to the 18 car next year. Oh, by the way, a very talented race car driver named Ty Gibbs had his first NASCAR Cup Series start filling in for an injured Kurt Busch yesterday in the 45 car. Ty Gibbs had never run a single lap in a NASCAR Cup Series car, not a tire test, not a practice, nothing. His first lap in a NASCAR Cup Series car was when they threw the green yesterday at Pocono. Ty Gibbs ended up finishing 18th on the racetrack, 16th once you uh, count out the two disqualifications. He beat a lot of big drivers, not just through attrition. He ran all the laps. He finished on the lead lap, and he did very, very well. So kind of the two for one. Will Kyle Busch be out of the 18, and will Ty Gibbs be in the 18? Okay, Tommy, you're up next. I think so, yes. I really do. Um, Eminem's leaving is huge. Um, That's such a disappointment. I mean, I think of the Ken Schrader car and the Elliott Elliot Sadler, David Gillen, and then eventually Kyle, uh, Kyle Busch getting it. Um, however, in a perfect world, I see Ty Gibbs bringing back interstate batteries uh, onto the 18 car. So um, Kyle Busch is going to be fine either way. I mean, the guy, he, you know, Maybe it was his own fault he didn't take a pay cut. I don't know. I haven't seen anything out there. But I did see where he was on. What I saw on Twitter said, I don't know who the sources were. Um, I don't remember. Maybe it was Adam Stern or somebody like that. But he was going to sign a big sponsorship. The deal fell through. And, I, you know, I just see him either going to Richard Childress Racing or Stuart Haas next year. I don't know which car, of course. Um, that's where I see Kyle Busch going, and I see them going ahead and pulling up Ty Gibbs. Um, is Ty Gibbs ready? I don't know. Everybody says that he needed another year. 
I mean, the guy's already been racing for a year and a half and has 10 or 15 wins. I mean, I, I don't see why he's not going to win a championship this year unless if, you know, payback from his aggressive driving style gets him uh, in the Xfinity field. Uh, the veterans remember, I'm sure they will. But um, either way, he, he and Noah Graxton are going to be the hottest two drivers to pull up from the Xfinity Series. They're going to be competing for the rookie uh, rookie battle next year, in my opinion. But whoever else, I don't know. But um, I can see it happening. I can really see him being an 18 car next year, and I just hope it's with interstate batteries. And like I said, Kyle Busch is a great – he's going to find sponsorship, whether it be at Storehaus, Richard Childress, or wherever. He'll get signed by somebody. And uh, I'm sure he'll even win a race or two next year in that new car. I mean, he's that good. Okay. Uh, Jake. All right, Sharon, we got three minutes, and I know I'm going to go longer than that. So if you want to ah. do uh, your uh, spiel now or you can interrupt me, your choice. Nope, I'll go ahead and do it now. Uh, just All for right. those people that are maybe tuning in for the first time, we do an announcement at this time of the night, just to let you know that we will go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and you'll hear us going off the air while we're still mid-sentence uh, and continuing our conversation. Uh, we just want you to know we are going to record the rest of that conversation, and it will be available as part of our podcast uh, after the show. So what I do is I go out on Twitter just to let everybody know that the podcast is available, and I'm doing that now on Facebook as well. Uh, and at that point, you can go to our player at fanforacing.com and just fast forward to that two-hour mark and hear the rest of the conversation. So we just don't want any of our new listeners to be caught off guard, not knowing how they can hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, so we do this announcement uh, so that uh, there are no surprises when we go off the air. Uh, so with that, uh, Jay, let's hear what you have to say. I know it doesn't look good, but I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion or a sign deal yet that he's not going to be back with Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, I know with Toyota TRD, their statement of they're looking at all options is they got to be prepared in case it doesn't. But I think their primary goal is still to keep Kyle Busch. And I know Kyle Busch talked about it. Uh, he did acknowledge he had met and talked with Stuart Haas Racing. But he has to factor in he owns a Toyota truck team. So that could become a conflict of interest. So he's got to look at that as well if he signs with a Ford team um, of how that plays into his truck team and the employees he's uh, protecting or providing for there. So there's a lot of different layers. I, I saw the, the video Mike play, uh, posted of Joe Gibbs uh, and Pat and Kyle Busch and kind of walking by him. I think somebody's reading a lot into that if they're trying to take that as, hey, good luck uh, next year. Uh, I just don't see that uh, being as of yet. Uh, like I said, I think there is still a, a very good possibility that one way or another he still ends up at Joe Gibbs Racing. They already said they kind of wanted to give Ty Gibbs another year in Xfinity. He did a great job. I will say that. He did a great job uh, in the Cup Series race in the, in the Kurt Busch's car and a fill-in job, um, very impressive. And we'll talk about his Xfinity race uh, when we talk about the rivalries on track in a minute. 
But I, I think that Martin Truex comes into play there, that that's kind of the plan is, is Martin Truex maybe only doing one more year. So I, I still think their primary goal is Kyle Busch. They had one deal like uh, Tommy, I think, mentioned of was close or getting close that, that came apart. So I think another one can still be done. Um, and, and I think long-term, everybody, I think, is going to benefit if Kyle Busch stays in the JGR Toyota camp. Okay. Um, I, I agree with you as far as that video. I don't think I, – I think a lot is being read into that. What I saw is Joe Gibbs kind of giving a reassuring tap on the shoulder as he was walking by uh, Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch was uh, uh, kind of preoccupied, I think, at the moment, and I think that was misinterpreted as being an icy reaction to Joe Gibbs' uh, uh, reassuring uh, hand on his uh, on his arm. Um, but uh, I do think that uh, things are going to work out for Kyle Busch. Uh, you know, it could go either way. Let's be honest; it could go either way. I know TRD. And Joe Gibbs Racing have both said that they want to keep Kyle Busch and they will do whatever they can do to keep him in the fold at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, now, whether or not that happens, I don't know. Jay, you bring up an interesting point. The only way I see that working, uh, if he were to go to Stuart Haas Racing, which is a Ford organization, is if he changes Kyle Busch Motorsports over to Ford uh, from Toyota. Uh, they've had such a good relationship with Toyota, though, it's, it's hard to imagine that that would happen. Uh, same thing with Chevrolet. He would have to change manufacturers uh, and change his organization to whatever that manufacturer is if he changes his affiliation. Um, so I think uh, they will do uh, – they're going to try to move mountains as far as I can see. Now, I know some people are saying it's looking less and less likely, and that may that may be true. Uh, it has been an uphill battle for them to get the sponsorship they need uh, for Kyle Busch. And, and by the way, it's not just Kyle Busch. We have drivers in, in, uh, in the series that are taking time out of the race car because they don't have sponsorship for specific races. Um, and that's what the sponsorship model has come down to. The days of having one sponsor for an organization is, is uh, fading into the, the background, and it is less likely to have a full-time sponsor uh, for a full season like M&M's has done over the past several years. Uh, and they've just made a decision that they're going to reallocate those funds. Uh, so it's, it takes more than one sponsor to fill the gap that Eminem is going to leave, and that's the challenge that is presented to Toyota, and, T- and actually it's Joe Gibbs Racing uh, that is responsible for securing that sponsorship. So um, I think they'll try to do everything they possibly can. If it doesn't work out, uh, it's going to be an unfortunate situation. But I have heard... Uh, actually, some some uh, rumblings too about the possibility of Denny Hamlin uh, making a decision at the end of this season uh, that put that might put him out of the number eleven car. Um, whether it's at the end of this season or the end of next season, 
but I think we might hear some things from Denny Hamlin uh, by the end of this season as well. So that's another possibility uh, for Ty Gibbs. But I thought uh, Ty Gibbs did a great job. Uh, not only did he do a good job in the Cup Series, uh, keeping his car clean and everything else, but I thought the race with Noah Gregson in the Xfinity race, I thought both of them, who have had controversial uh, wins in the past, both of them raced very cleanly, and I thought it was a lot of fun to watch both of them uh, show their talent uh, at the end of that race and race each other very cleanly for that victory. So um, I, I thought I was really impressed uh, with both Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs in that Xfinity Series race as well. So uh, time will tell the rest of that story, but I, I'm I'm thinking that they're going to – it might look dim at this point, but you never know what can turn things around and still bring Kyle Busch back to Joe Gibbs Racing. But he does have options if it doesn't happen. Mike, your thoughts? I know I teed this topic up and, and kind of implied a certain thought pattern of where I thought this was going to go. So I'm going to subvert your expectations. For all those people on Twitter and Reddit and Facebook and all the other social media outlets who are thinking that Kyle Busch is leaving Joe Gibbs Racing, pump your brakes. Where is he going to go? There's nobody, and I mean nobody, in the NASCAR Cup Series garage right now who can offer Kyle Busch anything close to what Joe Gibbs Racing is offering. Joe Gibbs Racing presents Kyle Busch the best opportunity available to win. They they are, I would say, probably the number two team in the NASCAR Cup Series right now behind Hendrick Motorsports in terms of performance. And Hendrick Motorsports has no openings, nor will they anytime soon. Hendrick Motorsports is not going to fire Chase Elliott or William Byron or anybody else to put Kyle Busch in one of Hendrick Motorsports' cars. So Hendrick Motorsports is off the table. Same thing for Team Penske. They will not have any openings. So what's left? Well, Stuart Haas Racing. I know Gene Haas has some very deep pockets, but I don't know if they're deep enough to pay Kyle Busch what Kyle Busch wants. So maybe he doesn't get the, uh, the money. Oh, by the way, Stuart Haas Racing is firmly a step down from Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick Motorsports, at least in terms of current performance. Not saying they can't come back. That, you know, obviously, teams come and they go. But and based on current performance, if Kyle Busch was to go to Stuart Haas Racing, it would undeniably be a step down in performance capability from what Joe Gibbs Racing currently has to offer him. And every other team, Richard Childress Racing, Trackhouse, uh, JTG, all those other potential teams, even if they have openings, they all represent at least one, if not several, steps down in performance from what Joe Gibbs Racing is offering. So Kyle Busch is almost certainly looking at a pay cut right now, no matter where he goes. They did not, or at least up to this point, have not been able to secure the single sponsor to replace M&M and pay Kyle Busch KFB money. That's just how it's going to be. And there's no other team in the garage right now that has the ability to pay KSB kind of money. And Kyle Busch is just going to have to accept that. I think Kyle Busch does return to the 18 next year, but I don't think it's going to be for the same amount of money that he thinks he's entitled to. And... At this point, he's kind of coasting on what he's, what he's done in years past, because what has he done for me lately? One win in 2021, two wins, or sorry, one win in 2020, 
two wins in 2022, only one win so far this year, and has not been super competitive for wins most weekends this year. Kyle Busch is not producing the kind of results that he did five years ago, and it's not the most uh, commanding position for him to be in a contract negotiation standpoint to demand the kind of money or whatever other considerations he thinks he's entitled to in order to stay at Joe Gibbs Racing. I think he's just at a point where there's no better alternative available to him other than Joe Gibbs Racing. With regard to Ty Gibbs, well, that's another big question. If, if Kyle Busch really wants to lean and, and make Joe Gibbs pay him KFB money, well, there's a long tradition in this country of parents, and in this case grandparents, using their children for child labor and paying them pennies on the dollar from what they would pay another employee. So maybe Joe Gibbs does see Ty Gibbs as a really cheap solution to fill that 18 car with a very talented driver. But at this point, I really don't see it happening right now just for lack of other alternatives. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up. I can still see it happening. I mean, everybody's really bringing up good points here, but what you just said, um, so M&M's is leaving. That's a big deal. Um, Personally, this year, last year, and the year before, I have to agree with your statement of, you know, he's got one, two wins, and then a win this year. Um, It's still Kyle Busch at the end of the day. He's still going to win plenty more races wherever that may be yet. But I feel like his attitude over the past few years and this year is just making the decision a little bit easier. Sponsorship is leaving. Ty Gibbs is Joe Gibbs' grandson. I see the move happening sooner rather than later. Um, I really do. I mean, I don't see why they need to even wait. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, he won his first Xfinity race and then went on to win multiple races that year in that car, uh, in the 54 car. And then this year, I mean, he's doing the same thing. Yeah, I know the the cup level is tough, but, I mean, go ahead and throw him in there. And, uh, I mean, over the past few years, it's taken these guys a few years to get going. Kyle Larson, uh, Chase Elliott, uh, William Byron. Go ahead, throw him in there, let him be learning, because uh, I think that he'll probably catch on quick. And, um, I mean, like I said, him and Graxton are the ones that are that are going to be coming up this year. I really do think that. Um, and then Sharon, you said, you know, Denny might leave, whether that be retire or, you know, go to his own team, which, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But that would be great for Joe Gibbs. Then he can add Ty Gibbs and keep Kyle Bush, hopefully. Um, but, I just, I see he's going to have to take a pay cut, like you're saying. If he wants to stay at Joe Gibbs, he's going to have to take a pay cut. If he doesn't want to take a pay cut, then they can pull up Ty Gibbs, and then he's going to have to go to Stuart Haas or Richard Childress and take a pay cut. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. But I do not think that it is not, uh, it is a strong possibility that I think that we see the 18 car with Monster Energy and Interstate Batteries and Ty Gibbs in 2023 or 2022, 2023. Okay, Jay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, there, there's so many different layers to that. You guys have brought up some really interesting things when it comes to Denny Hamlin. Um, I thought a lot of what I heard was about Martin Truex. So, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And, you know, there comes the point where whoever the next guy up is, whether it be a uh, relation or not, if you can bring somebody from the Xfinity series for pennies on the dollar as opposed to a top driver like Kyle Busch, that option is always there. Uh, and I think that's something maybe Kyle is going to have to uh, do on his part if being with Toyota is so he can keep his truck organization as is, you know, that may come into play. And I think you're right. Uh, no matter who he's with or where he goes, uh, I think a pay cut is coming uh, based on the numbers of what we've heard he makes. So that's, that's going to happen no matter what. Um, and I think he does, as Mike said, I mean, nobody can offer what Joe Gibbs Racing does to begin with. Uh, he would have to elevate that team. Now, Stuart Haas Racing is, uh, I find that one intriguing to think about, him and Kevin Harvick as teammates um, <laughs> would be an interesting thought uh, for sure um, when you talk about one too many roosters in the hen house from Days of Thunder. But So we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out, but I don't think it's a done deal yet. It doesn't look good, um, but we've all seen that in the past where things all of a sudden change in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> you guys are making some excellent points, uh, and uh, I, I do think it is going to be interesting. I think we all agree that we think they're going to do everything they possibly can do to keep Kyle Bush in the fold. Uh, it's unfortunate that Kyle would have to take a pay cut, but that's the reality of the situation. And like you said, he's going to have to come to terms with it. Uh, but let's keep in mind, Kyle Busch does have his team. Uh, you know, should he should it not work out, and if he wants to uh, not go to another organization for a pay cut, uh, he still has his uh, truck series team, and he can build on that. And let's keep in mind too, he has Brexton. Brexton is racing all over the country right now, uh, and uh, Kyle wants to be a part of that. So it might not be that big of a deal for him uh, to step away if it comes to that uh, and and focus on his race team and uh, working with his son. So, uh, you know, there there are that's the only thing I can really add to what you guys have said because you've done such a good job of kind of covering all the different scenarios that uh, – could happen here, and uh, you guys are right. I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be time that tells the rest of that story. So, Mike, you get the last word on this. Well, I haven't been very good on predictions this year. Just reference my fantasy points as well as my firm position that the money team and NY Racing would not show up at – uh, the Daytona 500 and races beyond. And we all saw how that worked out. So I have just now finished digesting my meal of crow that I had from earlier this year. I don't want to say firmly that I believe Kyle Busch should be back in the 18 car, but if I were a betting man, I would still bet we see him back in the 18. There's other options. Like you said, I mean, he could just step away entirely. He has said he could be Brexton Bush's car hauler driver. Uh, he did kind of say it tongue in cheek, but that's not out of the realm of possibilities. I'm pretty sure yep. even if Kyle Busch didn't – if he took a pay cut down to zero and did not drive professionally again for the rest of his life, chances are he probably wouldn't have too much trouble keeping the lights on at the house for the rest of his life. So he's not hurt for money. Uh, he's got options available to him, which is a great thing to have. It's definitely something we're going to have to keep an eye on, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it more in the future. But like I said, if I were a betting man – 
I wouldn't go throw my Kyle Busch 18 merchandise in the trash now. Not that I would ever own any Kyle Busch merchandise myself, but if you have such poor fashion taste as to own Kyle Busch merchandise, it's probably still going to be good for next year. Okie doke. That brings us to Tommy. You get to bring up the next hot topic. Okay, let's go with... um... Well, let's see here. Let's talk about how Ty Dillon is uh, not going to be back in the 42 car next year. Uh, Good one. Okay, Jay, your thoughts about Ty Dillon and what's happening at uh, GMS and uh, RPM? What is it? This one's an an interesting one um, from the aspect of and this is this might be where something where I'm reading too much into something, um, but when we look at Noah Gregson and being ready to move up to Cup, of looking more towards a uh, colleague racing is who he's kind of been working with. Now Chevrolet obviously has the partnership with GMS. That organization, I don't know if it, uh, how do I say it. The ta- his talent will be displayed there. Um, so it was a little bit surprising. I would have kind of thought maybe with Colleg Racing being the one that looked to be more advanced. Uh, now, P- Petty GMS or GMS Petty, whichever way it is, has shown some good things, but I also saw those good things from Ty Dillon. And, and I think that's one of those where I just feel like Ty Dillon has never given the, a full more than a year to display that talent and he's always been with that little bit underfunded or 20th place team. So uh, it's a shame. I know Ty, I heard from it when uh, Ty Dillon had the interview on it. It sounds like he is coming back to the Xfinity series. I don't know that that's been locked down. And Noah Gregson being the driver has not been locked down either, but there's a lot of finger pointing going on in that direction. Uh, I get the feeling there's a lot of, very secure talk that just isn't being officially announced because there is a lot of people pointing that one out, um, that that appears to be where he's headed. So if so, I I hope he does good there. Uh, I think he can bring to that program uh, and we'll go back. I don't know if we'll have time to hit on it tonight. We saw at least for one race, some maturity on Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson in the Xfinity series Sharon, I knew you'd be happy with that race. It was a great race, a great finish between the two of them who have both been aggressive drivers. And I think they both said, hey, we can do this without it. And they put on one heck of a show. So I'm excited to see Gregson in the uh, Cup Series. Uh, I hope that that team is able to elevate with him as he, if he goes to that team. Okay, Mike. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Ty Dillon has been lousy in every ride he's ever had. Uh, I know Jay said he's been stuck in 20th place cars, but that's not always the case. He had half a dozen to 10 starts last year in the number 54 Xfinity car. That car won literally half of the races on the Xfinity schedule last year, whether it was being driven by Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, or and a full-time ARCA driver named Ty Gibbs, that 54 car was winning almost every single weekend except when Ty Dillon was in the car, and it was a 15th to 20th place car when Ty Dillon was driving the car. 
So to say that Ty Dillon hasn't had the opportunity to showcase his talents is not necessarily true. He, he had two or three years in the Jermaine Racing number 13. Now, they, weren't, they were not a Hendrick Motorsports-level car, but they did have an affiliation with Hendrick Motorsports, and that car was mid-pack at best when Ty Dillon was in there. I don't think he ever got the most out of that equipment that could have been gotten out of. Ty Dillon has underperformed in every single opportunity he's been given. Look how the 43 is running with Petty GMS and Eric Jones behind the wheel of the 43 versus the 42. Eric Jones is consistently 10 to 15 positions better on the track than Ty Dillon is in the 42 and what we can assume to be relatively similar equipment. So Ty Dillon has had many, many, many opportunities to showcase his ability, and he's come up short every single time. It's no surprise they let him go. Now, as far as who goes into that 42 car, I agree. I think Noah Gregson is probably the leading candidate for that ride. Nothing's been announced yet. But it does make sense with it being a Chevrolet team. Granted, like you said, he's got a little bit more of the hooks in him from Colleague Racing. But then again, Colleague also sounds like they've got a pretty full slate of drivers that they want to run in their Colleague cars in the Cup Series. So maybe Petty GMS is a better fit for Noah Gregson moving into the NASCAR Cup Series next year. But seeing Ty Dillon go, not a surprise at all. Maybe a surprise that it was announced this early in the year that he's going to continue through the remainder of the year. But it's also not the earliest announcement that we've gotten so far this year as far as silly season driver changes. We already know a move that's coming up in 2024 that we'll talk about here. Maybe if we've got enough time this evening, it might end up spilling into the next show. But, yeah, seeing Ty Dillon out on the street, not a surprise at all. Yeah, you're kind of leading into what my thoughts were too, Mike, and that is that I've always wondered why Ty Dillon is not racing for Richard Childress race. Austin Dillon has been a staple there, but for some reason, I always thought that, you know, beforehand that it would be Austin Dillon and Ty Dillon racing at RCR. Uh, and for whatever reason, I think there's more to the story there. Uh, but then what kind of started this whole announcement about Ty Gibbs, uh, for me, started when I saw a tweet from the King Richard Petty uh, saying, enough, I've had enough on Twitter, and that was all he said, I've had enough, and I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, something's going on, Um, and then lo and behold, uh, there was another tweet from Richard Petty, and I don't have the exact wording of it, but again, he was just saying that uh, he he wasn't going to tolerate certain things anymore, and um, it was shortly after that that he heard, yeah, Sharon, those tweets are part of a Hardee's promotion for a new sponsor deal. I've had enough? Yes. I forget forget what the punchline was for it, but they led up over a couple days, they led up to a Hardee's promotion with Richard Petty basically pushing Hardee's chicken sandwiches. And I think it was like, I've had enough of other companies' chicken sandwiches. So the whole Ty Dillon thing was completely coincidental, but I completely understand what you were saying with it about how they really seemed to line up together. But, yeah, Richard Petty and the I've had enough tweets were part of a Hardee's promotion for a new sponsorship deal. Okay, because the tweet I saw didn't say anything about anything else. It just said, I've had enough. But um, 
Yeah, and I thought it was tied into the Ty Dillon thing because it was shortly after that that the announcement came that Ty Dillon was no longer going to be racing for GMS Petty Racing. Uh, so I thought it was connected, and unfortunately I was also sick during the time, so my apologies if I didn't tie all that in together. I was just getting little bits and pieces, I guess. But um, uh, I do think that uh, it led me to believe that uh, there was a little bit of an issue there between uh, Richard Petty and Ty Dillon, so I guess I have to kind of realign my thinking on that if it was some kind of promotion that it only happened at the same time. But uh, uh, I do think there's more to the story here uh, for some reason. I've never understood why uh, Ty Dillon has, is not racing at RCR, and I still don't understand. Now that he's looking for a shot, why wouldn't Richard Childers pick him up to race at RCR? Uh, and if... if uh, you know, and have him racing there. But I agree with you. He hasn't really lived up to expectations uh, in a lot of cases. And in some cases, it seems like um, there might be uh, a, a trying too hard kind of scenario that's going on where he wants to prove himself so bad that he's pushing it just a little bit too hard and kind of uh, self-defeating himself. So I, I, I just think I'd I'd love to know what the backstory is on Ty Dillon and RCR and uh, now what's happening at, at uh, GMS uh, Petty Racing. Uh, it just seems weird that they would just suddenly, in the middle of the season like that, uh, make the announcement that they're going to part ways. I think there's more to this story than what meets the eye. I just don't know what it is. Tommy? Yeah, um, I kind of agree with you guys. I mean, Mike said it right off the bat, what I was going to say, which was just take a look at last year. He was out of a ride. He shared the 54 car with Ty Gibbs, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex. And uh, he was the only one that didn't do good in the car. Um, Was he trying too hard? You might be right because he did wreck at Daytona. I feel like he wrecked in every race he was in, probably trying too hard. But – He wouldn't have to be trying hard if he wasn't in that position to begin with. And he's in that position because um, he was an RCR at one point. I do remember him driving that three Bass Pro Shop um, camo truck with orange. He nearly beat Chase Elliott, but Chase Elliott wrecked him for the win. I remember that. I had whatever um, race that was. But um, I think he's had his chances, and he's already been announced to be going out the door. Um, who's going to be in that car next year. Uh, the only two people that we know for sure that might possibly be free agents or might be a, uh, open for that car would be uh, Kyle Busch and Noah Graxon. Um, of course, I'm sure there'll be other guys become available for that car. But, um, yeah, I think that we've seen the, uh, the end of Ty Dillon probably. Uh, maybe he'll go back to the extended year truck series and, you know, if he lands a stable ride, I'm sure he can snag a win or two. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not completely talentless. He had some good runs in that 13 Geico car, just like um, Casey Mears did, but, you know, he still didn't get a win at the end of the day. And if you want to compete at the 
top level, you have to have wins in order to stay. So um, not really surprised. Uh, it stinks for him because it is cool that Austin and Ty get to share a try together. But, I mean, you got to win, and um, he hasn't done that, and he hasn't been doing that great, so not really a surprise. Okay, Jay. Yeah, I would not dispute that that he hasn't lived up to expectations uh, as far as driver talent. Uh, Some of it I do think it has to do with the equipment he's been in. Uh, You mentioned those spots that he had in the Xfinity series. Uh, I think both Sharon and Tommy mentioned it, of maybe trying too hard to prove it. We've seen that with Riley Herbst. Uh, I think he's another one that uh, maybe is in that boat of trying too hard that it actually reflects poorly. Uh, you know, Sharon, that, that topic of why he's never been at RCR has been around uh, since he moved up. And in my opinion, I don't think Austin Dillon has lived up to expectations either. That is not saying they don't have talent. He has wins. Um, some of them have come questionably. Some of them have been you know, good runs. But when you look at when they brought in Tyler Reddick of who got the win, who's in the playoffs, uh, who's outperforming who. So, but that happens, and I don't know why. We look at Roush Fenway, Roush Fenway Kozlowski uh, racing. Chris Busher has been outperforming Brad for whatever reason. Um, you know, the equipment's the same. The driver talent you would think would favor Brad, but it's been Chris Busher. So, looking at RPM and GMS, Jones has been there, uh, been more established with the team, their team just is clicking better together with it for whatever reason. Now, we mentioned of whether it be sponsor-driven or whatever, they have the opportunity to bring somebody else in, in possibly Noah Gregson, um, and, and try a change. I understand it. I, I hope Ty Dillon does get another spot. It looks like it's going to be in the Xfinity Series with Alpha Prime from what the rumbling is there. Um, and I think that's a, maybe one of those things if somebody does need to go to another series and reestablish themselves uh, with an organization. Okay, Mike. Well, Jay brings up a good point about Austin Dillon and the Dillon brothers. To your point about um, why Ty Dillon hasn't been driving in a Richard Childress car, Ty's always kind of tried to present the image of him striking out on his own and doing it without his name. Now, everyone who, who knows anything, they know that's all bovine exhaust. It's, it's completely not true. Richard Childress has backed Ty Dillon either directly or indirectly throughout his entire driving career, um, but it is what it is. But that's why Ty Dillon is not in the eight car and Tyler Reddick is. Uh, with regard to Austin Dillon in the three car, I agree. I don't think that Austin Dillon has gotten the most out of that car. And now that Tyler Reddick has really hit his stride in the eight car, it has shown that Richard Childress racing equipment is, it's maybe not Hendrick Motorsports equipment, but where did Ty, where did Ty Dillon finish yesterday? Well, he scored second behind Chase Elliott. He crossed the finish line fourth. He's second of the, of the legal cars that finished yesterday's race. Uh, Ty Reddick already has one win this year. He is one dive bomb from Chase Briscoe away from ha- not having two wins this year. And he's got several others that probably got away from him. And I don't know that he's done winning this year at all in that eight car. On the other hand, I'm at the point now where I'd be kind of surprised if I saw Austin Dillon win a race. 
Um, it's not, I'm not saying it's not possible. He has won races before, but he is definitely not the weekly threat to win that Tyler Reddick is. And we can assume that that eight car is probably about equal to the three car. So the fact that Tyler Reddick is able to get so much more out of that car, it shows that maybe it's not an equipment issue. Maybe it's a driver issue. And Austin Dillon is kind of, uh, underperforming in that car. Now, the discussion here is about Ty Dillon and what's going to happen with him. Well, if he ends up at Alpha Prime, at least he'll be able to keep the lights on at the house. But I think his time as a serious NASCAR Cup Series driver has come to a close, and I think rightfully so. He's had more than enough opportunities to, to prove what he's capable of doing. And, well, he's shown what he's capable of doing, and it's not winning races. Well, I would like to see Ty Dillon maybe get another chance maybe in the truck series. I think he could have the potential to be really good in that series. Um, and and that might be his last chance. Uh, you guys are right. He's kind of on his last leg. Uh, but I do think uh, it would be a good play if he were to go to the truck series. So for me personally, I'd like to see him do that. Whether or not he does is another thing, but uh, 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 I do think that uh, uh, Ty Gibbs is is uh, kind of at the end of the rope. But I do think that he's trying too hard. I think he needs to give himself a little bit of a break um, and not try so hard. I think it would maybe enhance his performance a little bit uh, because he's overdriving the car. And that's what's getting him into trouble. If he can learn how to how to not do that overdriving, uh, then I think he has more potential there. But and if he continues to overdrive the car, it's it's self defeating, as I said before. So he he just has to learn how to temper himself. And if somebody gives him a chance, I think it should be in the truck series. And uh, I, I think he might be able to make that work for himself. We'll see. <laughs> Tommy? Well, Austin Dillon, too. Um, I said it on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I think. If you're going to be in the three car, you have to put it in victory lane or at least be in the top five mm-hmm. or ten every weekend. Austin Dillon just does not do that. Um, I'm sorry. I, the same thing goes for the 24-43 car and the eight car now, too. Like Those are the iconic cars. Throw the 48 car in there, too. You got to have those cars in the top five, ten every week. It's just important. And Austin Dillon won the Daytona 500 by wrecking Eric Alarola. He won the Charlotte Race on a uh, pitch strategy to the Coca-Cola 600, and he won at Texas a few years ago on a restart to beat Tyler Reddick at teammate. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying the guy's not talented. He does have wins. Can't take them away from him. All I'm saying is, if you drive the three car please put it in victory lane. And preferably, I would love to see Kyle Busch go to the RCR, get in a three-car, and get rid of Austin Dillon, too. But I have a feeling that oh my. RCR gets rid of the three-car, um, it's not going to be – if Austin Dillon leaves, the three-car leaves, which is terrible. But then, because, uh, you know, I want the three-car to stay. But Outside of respect, that is our hardest number. So I think Junior should call the shop when he drives it next. Um, uh, back to Ty Dillon, I'd like to see him in the Trucker Xfinity Series. I don't think he's talentless. Um, I just don't think that he's going to get another cup shot. I mean, Newman's out, and I wasn't ready to see him leave. But the only reason why I would want to see Ty, Ty 
high on this racket because it's cool to have both of the Dillon brothers out there. But um, looks like that's coming to an end, and uh, we'll either see him in the extended year truck series if he can find a ride. Okay. Uh, that's an interesting scenario with uh, Kyle Busch in the number three. Uh, that that I think a lot of fans would like that if it were to happen. We'll have to see. Uh, some fans might not like it, though, too. So <laughs> that's an interesting scenario. Um, okay. With that, I think we're well past our time here, so let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Tommy, we'll start with you and work our way back to Jay. Um, Twitter, um, give me a follow. Um, you can take a look at my cars. I've been posting a date with some. I have a ton of 164 diecast. Um, I haven't even touched some of these that y'all haven't seen yet, so more to come. Well, I've loved the ones that I've seen so far. It's uh, really fun to watch that. Uh, Mike? Sure, it's Mike underscore Ozell on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Got an article coming out. I believe you said you're going to publish it tomorrow. It's a little dated. I wrote it immediately after the Atlanta race. Unfortunately, Sharon came down with the coof. So uh, it's, it's a little bit out of date, but still, it should be worth the read examining the Atlanta race and what NASCAR could potentially do to improve attendance at their new exciting toy super speedway they've got. Okay. Uh, Jay. A couple of things here. Tommy, uh, you mentioned the uh, old M&M's cars. I love seeing some of them. I know you've had a couple of them up already on, on your date. So you mentioned uh, the M&M's cars. Those are the ones I like to see. And second, uh, Sharon, I think you're mistaken. I, it's not very often I say you make a mistake, but I don't know many fans that would want to see Kyle Busch in the iconic number three. <laughs> I, I really disagree with that. And I'd have well, to be I one of them. I, I don't that think that would like be. It too. <laughs> I, I would be one of them. I understand it going to Dylan as a family member, but, yeah, Kyle Busch in the three I think would bring down the house. <laughs> but uh, you can follow me. On Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And, again, excited to be back on the air and preview show on Thursday, and I'll have an update with uh, our points. i got to correct some things there in favor of Mike, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including FanForRacing.com, where we have our fan uh, for racing radio player uh, so that you can hear our podcast and bonus overtime material there. Um, now, uh, I will have that article published uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, for Mike about Atlanta. And, again, I apologize for the, uh, the delay in getting that published. I had a sea of emails to go through. I didn't really do anything for the two weeks that I was down. But... Um, uh, I will uh, get that out tomorrow afternoon. Uh, uh, so um, we did have the post-race audio from Chandler Smith on our show earlier tonight. If you haven't heard that, uh, he gave some really good information about uh, where he is with his win from this past week at Pocono, but also looking ahead to the playoffs. Uh, he is a playoff contender, and uh, he had some really good uh, thoughts about uh, going into the playoffs in his second season in the truck series. So uh, if you haven't heard that, go back and take a listen. Um, and my, my, 
uh, Jay mentioned it. We are going to be doing our preview show on Thursday night. Uh, we'll have some more uh, uh, pre-race audio uh, that we'll have available for you. I'm not sure exactly who that's going to be just yet. But, uh, look for that on Thursday night. And we're previewing the races out there at uh, 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 the Indianapolis Road Course as well as IRP, uh, Indianapolis Raceway, at uh, the Lucas Oil. I'm, it's a very long name now. Lucas Oil International Raceway. No, Indianapolis Raceway uh, is the new name that we're talking about, and we will be previewing all of those races, including the ARCA race that will be taking place at that. So uh, a little bit of brain fog going on there for me tonight, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure it will get better as time goes on here. So, again, thanks, everybody, for bearing with me over the last two weeks, and I'm really happy to be back and uh, looking forward to uh, our next shows that are coming up and the races that are coming up this weekend as well. So thanks to Tommy and Mike and Jay uh, and Sal uh, for being here tonight. You guys always make it entertaining and fun, and uh, I'll look forward to our next show on Thursday. Uh, thanks to the listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. And with that, I guess we're ready to call it a night, guys. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, good night. Good night everybody. We'll see you on Thursday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.